sit back, relax, you got nothing to lose. What do you think I'm about to show you? The female of the species is more deadly than a male. Only a movie, you can say it again. Just wait till you see what I did at the end. The female of the species is more deadly than a Hello, everyone, and welcome to the More Deadly Podcast, where we review horror films exclusively directed by women-identified directors that prove that the female of the species is more deadly than the male. I'm your co-host, Rachel, and joining me is one of my favorite people on the entire planet. As above, so below, it's Ariel. Hi. (laughs) I like that. You like that? Is that the new? All right, cool. Yeah, that's good. But that's not all, because we also have some truly infernal, you could say, guests joining Mm. us today. Just a a handful of my very favorite friendly neighborhood Satanists. It's the crew from the absolutely fantastic, I'm not exaggerating, that's how good they are, podcast Black Mass Appeal. Great name, by the way. I don't know if I've told you that before. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to give us an inflated ego. It's, I don't know. It's not a good plan. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I try to use my power for good and for evil, so I don't know which one this one is today. <laughs> so joining us is Daniel. Hello. Testing 666. <laughs> oh, I see what you did there. Tabitha? I am Tabitha, the Antichrist. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> and Simone. Hi, I'm Simone, and all I really want in this life is Rebecca Romaine's wardrobe from the movie we watched. Right? Oh my yes, god. All that those robes dress. and dresses. That dress yeah. is an erogenous zone for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take I'll take the the body that she inhibits as well if we're I mean, yeah, if we're passing sure. stuff out. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Awesome. So this is such a treat for us because we're big, big fans of Black Mass Appeal. I told you before the show, everyone that we told you were coming on today was very excited because there are a lot of fans in our oh, yeah. you know, group of friends. It's so funny. The first time I was on your show, my best friend's husband was like, I was just listening to my Satanist podcast and Rachel was on there. What the hell is going on? <laughs> <laughs> so first of all, we just want to take a moment to get to know each of you, starting with the show itself. So let's, let's do some plugs. Everybody likes a good plug right so tell our listeners about black mass appeal simone yeah so uh black mass appeal is a podcast uh about satanism by satanists and we cover everything from like the history of satanism and how it kind of manifests itself today the history of the religion the the literature so everything from the romantics to obviously the bible to uh, more contemporary stuff, more pop culture, movies, TVs, books, that kind of thing. Every week is, oh, every two weeks, I guess, is a new topic that's related to Satanism. And it could be fun, it could be funny, it could be serious. But the goal is to kind of educate people about Satanism and where it comes from and dispelling myths. So, you know, the disclaimer, 
Don't eat the babies. You don't try to virgins, no matter what the movies say. Mm, Maybe we're just too lazy and we haven't gotten around to it. I don't know. I don't know what all the other Satanists are up to these days. Personally, I'm a terrible cook, so that's my my fall. But babies seem so well well marbled. You know what I mean? I feel like you could get a really good cut from just about anywhere on that thing. Look, here's here's. What nobody realizes, baby is like tofu. Everybody says they have a good recipe, but nobody really does. Right. <laughs> also, I, the, the press for that is so big. Who has room in their storage? I no. will add, <laughs> in addition, uh, on top of the disclaimer that Simone just provided, it is possible that to the uninitiated, we are sending some mixed messages with the film tonight <laughs> we'll get to that <laughs> i know i'm hoping there's going to be some real hellfire raining down upon this movie from you guys tonight because i feel like maybe it's not super accurate or maybe it is i don't know i guess we'll find out so okay <laughs> you guys are from the Barra satanic temple can you tell us a little bit about that daniel well, uh, disclaimer there, we are not the Satanic Temple. We oh, are shit. no problem, no problem. It's actually good to get that out of the way because people See, may make that mistake occasionally. I'm, I'm just setting you up for this. I, I know what it is. Thank you. We, <laughs> we are Satanic Bay Area. We are a local grassroots independent Satanic community rooted in San Francisco and the surrounding region. When we say in local and independent, that means our members may be members of other Satanist religions and organizations like the Satanic Temple, for example, or they may not. That's up to them. We are kind of, we take like-minded Satanists from all walks as long as they are interested in being part of our community and share our general communal goals and get along with everybody. Most of us are atheists. I think pretty much all of us are atheists. And if your listeners are confused about how you can be both an atheist and a Satanist, we have some episodes <laughs> about that. So they can and in on those yeah just a few but uh (laughs) even a few of our even a few few of our friends might have some more eclectic ideas about god and the devil and for the most part like i said as long as people get along we don't like to police people's beliefs a whole lot because no good comes of that in my experience and Mm -hmm. so that is the uh that that is that is the rough delineation between us and other sickness groups you may have heard of i think the analogy that Simone likes to use in the past is that if a group like the Satanic Temple is your church, we are, say, the local Bible study slash knit mm. slash bake sale group you might come to yeah. afterwards. <laughs> gotcha. to people who are not, don't necessarily go to the same church, but maybe have the same vibe. And again, that goes for any number of other Satanist religions that our members may be. There are also people who are not members of any other organization, just have their own Satanic community and practice through the community we create here, which is also great. Yeah, you guys do such cool events. Like you've got your Christmas event, you've got these black masses that you guys do. If people want to know more, if they want to hang out, they want to participate, can you tell them a little bit about what you guys do? Well, should I give the plugs now or should we just? I mean, whatever you want to do. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was part of the plugs, but uh... just go for it. Yeah, we're in the zone. If folks are curious to learn more and they want to look us up, they can find us on Facebook and on Instagram as Satanic Bay Area. You can follow us on Twitter as at Satanic SF. You can also catch Tabitha on TikTok. The handle there is at Daily Baffirmations. Check us out at SatanicBayArea.com. Look at our Google Calendar for all upcoming events. And if you have any specific questions, you can fire us a message at SatanicBayArea at gmail.com or as Black Mass Appeal Pod at gmail.com. 
Right. Or talk into a, a goblet of blood and you'll get that message, right? <laughs> Yeah. No. <laughs> Daniel's like, I'm very serious. This is not amusement. <laughs> well, and and so uh, I'd be remiss to you know leave out the plugs for the our show. So Black Mass Appeal, you can find us at blackmassappeal.com as Black Mass Appeal on all the the social medias. And you know, so Black Mass Appeal is a podcast, is a show, comes out every other week, and it is a product of Satanic Bay Area because we are all admins for satanic bay area so there there has been some confusion black mass appeal is not its own like sect or anything Mm. it's a show it's entertainment and information and then we have separately the satanic bay area community which is where they have the events and the hanging out and the talking and the the fun that's awesome that's really great i love the show because i feel like i learned so much listening to it particularly like you said around misconceptions about modern satanism the thing that I remember first being struck by is really early on, you did an episode on on the tenants. And I realized how in sync with my own beliefs they were. And I never realized it because I was very much raised in church, evangelical. And so even though I had broken away from that, and I'm an atheist, the only information that I had was the stuff that I learned, you know, when the Satanist would come and tell us about like, burning his books made of human skin you know what i mean the, you know the gist right and so i i found it absolutely fascinating and i think wherever people's spiritual beliefs lie it's totally valuable information to have i think you can learn so much from the show if only just to understand something about the world you know what i mean i i think i personally was really grateful to have some misconceptions kind of get a re-education on it a little bit and and the show's just fun you guys are really fun lots of great information i I loved the you did a i can't remember the name of the book but you did this one on this um like i think it was renaissance sort of satanic book about this guy who had a lot of sexual issues but it was a really great deep dive and i had never heard of it before and and that's the kind of stuff that you get with the show is this mix of humor and also really interesting historical information as well as re-education about misconceptions we're finding out that a lot of people's uh, sexual hangups back in the day is what's responsible <laughs> for a lot of religion. So Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To fill in a couple of blanks there. So the book that Rachel just referenced there is La Ba, the yes, only French 19th century best-selling Satanism thriller that provoked two wizards to have a duel. That actually happened, by the way. That's not... <laughs> That's not part. No. Of, that's not part of the book. That's a thing that happened when people were fighting over the publication of this book. <laughs> so check out that episode if you want to learn way too much about those dudes. Second of all, I would say books bound with human skin are totally overrated because nobody wants to have to spend the weekend moisturizing their library. It's incredibly inconvenient. <laughs> Ooh, pro tip. I like it. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Sounds like the, it sounds like the Satanic Tenets episode you were talking about was maybe our very first show, Satanism 101. I it might have been. I would recommend people, that, that being our first show, it, it, there was a learning curve there, but that was a good one. I would recommend to people want to get caught up, they check out episode 101, Satanism 101 part two in which Mm -hmm. we kind of expanded a little bit on those on many different diversities of satanist beliefs some of which are awesome some of which were less awesome but all of which (laughs) we can learn a little bit about oh and by the way if anyone out there is wondering has just no context for us is wondering how did these weirdos get on this show well it's because actually rachel has been on our show a couple of times and episode 
uh one episode going way back to gosh i think it was episode 30 that you yeah it was yeah our first satanism and horror roundtable discussion and then our more recent the exorcist episode in which we discussed is the exorcist a christmas movie which of course it isn't but it did come out at christmas <laughs> so it felt like it was a good discussion to have for us around christmas because what do satanists yeah. talk about at christmas well the exorcist of course right. <laughs> it's like the diehard of satanism i got it yeah I and mean, of course that's, that's, a, that's a good cross purposes for me who has a hans group tattoo on her left shoulder so oh my god oh my i gosh. think i did i just fall in love on the show it's perfect for rachel oh my you oh we're gonna have to talk about this off the air because i'm gonna need yeah we can talk about details. die hard is it him like falling off the building what is the hans group what portrait I, maybe it is it is a portrait of him when he is on the walkie talkie talking to john for the Ooh. first time oh, and he's he's kind of he's looking for his detonators and john clearly has them and he calls him, you know, Roy Rogers, and, and uh-huh. then the the response. <laughs> that is amazing! Oh my god, I love you. <laughs> I already did, but it just leveled up. <laughs> I just also got a Shining tattoo. The Stephen, uh, well, Stanley Kubrick, really version of the Shining. Mm-hmm. That's my latest tattoo in my collection of movie tattoos. Wow. So maybe yeah. am I going to have to get a Satanic Panic tattoo? We'll see. Mm. We'll see. We'll talk about it. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm very into all of these tattoos. We're gonna have to. I'm gonna do. A, we're gonna have to do like a separate spinoff episode where we just talk about your tattoos because they're dope. I got a yeah. whole library. That's amazing. <laughs> um, before we move on, though, I just wanted to say that not only is everything Rachel said about your show right, it's so informative. You guys are super charming and really funny, but I also think that you cover things with such sort of emotional intelligence that I really appreciate too. You did this episode, I don't know, a year or two ago on disability and Mm, how to mm -hmm. make your spaces and your rituals more inclusive. And the way that you guys handled that was just so good. And the way that you all were willing to admit past failings and how you've made changes to make it better in the future. I just thought that was so great because so many people would not be willing to do that on a public forum. You know, I just really appreciated that. I mean, so one of the things that I like about Satanism that was uh, one of the things that drew me to it was how inclusive it is. Yeah. Because when we're looking at these mainstream religions, we see them purposefully, you know, shun and exclude and ostracize people who are different, people who are, you know, LGBTQ, people who are, you know, disabled, people who are uh, perhaps minorities, people who are just I don't know, really into heavy metal and Dungeons and Dragons. It doesn't matter. If you're different, that's when they kind of shun you. And we've sort of collected, you know, and formed this community of these people who have found the common ground of like a belief set. But, you know, we still celebrate our our differences and learn from each other and try and make sure that, you know, we're always working to improve because, that's another thing, you know, some other religions are just like, you do it this way and it's the only way and we've never changed yeah. it and we never will. And meanwhile, I feel like Satanism, which is a fairly new religion, is still kind of finding its feet and learning and changing and growing. And I mean, that's how you get better human beings. So I'm all for it. Absolutely. But 
We should be careful to distinguish as we say that, even though everything that was just said is true, that the point of this show and indeed the point of our show is not to proselytize or convert to anybody to Satanism or anything weird like that. People should make yeah. their own decisions about what kind of religion they want to join, if any at all. Most people probably shouldn't be Satanist, to be honest. It's kind of a weird decision to make about your life, but you will feel <laughs> if you feel so compelled, we can maybe introduce you to some folks. In the meantime, hopefully even non-Satanists who listen to the program learn a little bit something. Although I will say, and Tabitha, you can confirm this that Satanist or non-Satanist alike, if you want to drop by any of our religious gatherings, there are often cupcakes and occasionally very cute snakes. Is that right? Ooh, this is correct. I can confirm. Very cute snakes. I'm intrigued. (laughs) Yeah, we we had a show and find me. I have stickers. Oh my God. This is like Bible study. (laughs) (laughs) Our our last uh, event was sort of an anti-St. Patrick's Day deal where we were deciding to celebrate snakes instead of celebrating the dude who quote unquote drove them out. And Mm. yes, we had real snakes there as a show and tell. And I got to learn a little bit about a reticulated python and a king snake and a coral snake. And it was really cool. That's awesome. In fact, it's it's really funny. You could hear this anecdote on our upcoming BMA episode that is not out yet at the time of this recording. But like our snake guy texts me like three hours beforehand that day saying, hey, just so you know, it's illegal for me to bring constrictor snakes into a public park in San Francisco. And I'm like, oh, I was like, OK, man, I don't want you to get any heat. Leave the constr- bring any kind of snake you want. We're, we're very easy to please in this case. And then he shows up with <laughs> a reticulated python, which is the biggest constrictor snake <laughs> in the world. <laughs> that's such a specific law too i'm surprised at that i am surprised too i'm guessing it's because you don't want them to get loose and pose a threat to the natural ecosystem that's not the point the point is i said you don't have to bring a constrictor snake and somehow in translation that became bring the The biggest constrictor in the world and i'm not i'm not complaining lance our snake guy is an is, is a really great guy and a good friend and we're so lucky that he came by and showed us these really really beautiful specimens i'm just not 100 percent sure what happened there communications <laughs> maybe he just wanted you to know he was about to break the law maybe. Yeah. <laughs> it's, an entirely new, it's an entirely new kind of sin for us <laughs> he was he was just preparing us so that if we saw cops you grab a snake and you run just grab a snake and you <laughs> yeah, go there you go get, the fuck out of there. get out of there <laughs> <laughs> that is my kind of party <laughs> let me cue up the benny hill music <laughs> yes oh my god amazing amazing yeah everybody definitely hit the subscribe button get yourself some black mass appeal in your life you will not regret it and don't worry we're going to plug it again at the end of the show so you'll if you missed it this time you'll get another chance so let's move on to maybe your horror fandom we like to kind of get into understanding your perspective as horror fans and as horror nerds i hope because you're definitely on a horror nerd podcast Uh, what are some horror movies that each of you really love some favorites for you guys well, uh, we can start with The Shining, hence the tattoo. Mm, yeah, yeah I, I like this kind of uh, slow burn, kind of artsy horror movies like like The Shining. I also like, you know, um, uh, things like The Blair Witch Project, The Ring, uh, Silence of the Lambs is another favorite of mine. Mm-hmm. We've spent quarantine or pandemic uh, knocking out a bunch of the horror films that I just never got to. So awesome. we've seen <clears throat> every single <laughs> phantasm friday the 13th uh halloween actually we also hit some action uh franchises as well nice there. but um i mean once you've sit, sat through god how many halloween movies are there daniel <laughs> there are a lot just 
it's it's a lot. I don't typically like like kind of slashery ones, but that's sort of like uh, pick and choose. Like it's a you know case by case basis. Where do you stand on Halloween Kills? <laughs> I <laughs> I liked it. Um, hmm. I did okay, so I did like it, but there was hmm. a lot of me so we saw it in the theater so i didn't actually say it out loud because i'm not rude like that but in my mind i'm like screaming at the screen a lot like what the fuck are you doing you idiots which i realized is like part of the horror experience so it, it was kind of it was fitting it was certainly fitting but just you know constantly in my mind screaming you have to decapitate him you have to destroy the brain why is no one listening to me have you seen a horror movie before yeah my the I'm not a fan of that movie famously on this podcast, but I do love the Iron Maiden from that. Are you familiar with the Iron Maiden from Halloween Kills? The, like the torture device, or did Iron Maiden <laughs> the lady that single... shows up to kill like and the evil dies tonight with an iron? <laughs> she just oh has my an iron God. in her hand <laughs> instead of some kind of normal weapon. <laughs> I'll find you a photo. <laughs> Well, you know, I've seen Home Alone, which one might say is the children's version of Die Hard, and Marv gets hit in the face with a hot iron, and that shit did some damage. That burn was there the rest of the movie. (laughs) Yep. All right, Internet. It looks like the joke's on you. (laughs) (laughs) How about you, Daniel? What about you? What is uh, some horror movies that you love? Well, generally, if people ask my favorite horror movie or favorite movie in general, they'll like safe diplomatic answer i give is alien because one i do love that movie oh, two so good. who's gonna tell so me good. i'm wrong right like that's just yeah, a, right. that's, a, <laughs> that, that's the rare movie that crosses pretty much all boundaries but to be honest i spend less time watching movies like that and more time watching uh like a lot of pre-code 30s or mm. silent era mm. weird yeah obscure slightly sadistic often admittedly quite problematic as we say these days mm-hmm. movies and those in fact yeah. just as here on zombie girls you have a number of sub shows and sub themes for different programs if i had to do a horror themed sub podcast it would probably be this is not the title i would go with but the theme would be this movie's pretty racist, but because <laughs> unfortunately that describes a lot of my favorite films like The Wolfman, mm-hmm. um, yeah. uh, The Most Dangerous Game, uh, White yeah. Zombie. I love that movie, but ooh, yeah. ooh <laughs> wow, yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, any number of Val Luton films from the 40s, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. so... Uh, a lot of movies that I probably shouldn't even admit out loud that I've seen, much less are my favorites, are my favorites. <laughs> now, I mean, I have a, a strong love for those movies as well, but you just got to admit to yourself that there are some serious issues with them. <laughs> I mean, not only admit it, I'm like, let's talk about this. Let's, let's, yeah, like exactly. I said, I would, I, would, yeah. I would spend an hour to two hours on a podcast talking about it <laughs> if I thought there was an audience for it, which presumably there is not, which is probably good. <laughs> you might be surprised <laughs> i disagree daniel i disagree and i would love to come on to talk about uh our our one of our shared favorites is the black cat with stars oh, yeah. and Morris, Dan yeah. so good art yep. deco perfection amazing <laughs> that one's a winner nothing really racist in that one but a lot of weird shit oh yeah love that low low bar for the 40 <laughs> <laughs> awesome okay how about you Tabitha okay so 
first of all, I like really terrible horror movies. I like just the bottom of the barrel, cheap garbage that you can put on and literally ignore the entire time or laugh at. Like I, I live in that place and probably someday we'll make one of those movies and put it up on Amazon because guess what? Literally anyone can put a movie on Amazon. Anybody. (laughs) Yeah, you could, you could record your cat for an hour and a half and be like, this is the, the cat movie and put it up there. And somebody will probably I will probably watch it. Rachel, <laughs> is that your new job? <laughs> um, but the genres that I usually like the most, um, I love exorcism movies. Mm-hmm. Include, the Exorcist is actually probably one of my very favorite movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also like Antichrist movies so like the omen is another movie i absolutely love um eli which came out just a couple of years ago is also Mm -hmm. just a absolutely sorry kind of spoiled it but uh it's absolutely great (laughs) film Uh, it's unfortunate because every time i want to bring that movie up i I have to "Mm, you want to know uh and um i also really like ghost movies like haunted house Mm -hmm. movies and especially if if it has a sheet ghost if you put a fucking sheet ghost in your movie (laughs) thank you (laughs) uh tab did you like paranormal activity three because that was one of my favorite sheet ghost gags yes yes i in fact i actually have liked almost all of the paranormal activity movies okay Mm -hmm. me too Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm mm-hmm like not they're not good no but they're I fun, like though. them. Yeah. <laughs> in fact not to not to get too far in the weeds here but over the last over over the last couple of years with our many hours of quarantine watching mm-hmm. Tabitha and I have like anthropologically discovered a weird subgenre of horror movie that I don't think has a name and Ooh. here's what it is You'll watch, you'll go to these Amazon movies where, like I said, anybody can put their movie on Amazon these days. And sometimes you'll find these really low-grade exorcism or Satanism-themed horror films that are obviously made by churchy people to preach at you, Mm. which is sometimes entertaining, often just baffling. But those aren't the (laughs) movies I'm talking about. The movies I'm talking about are like the rare slice of like weird preachy satanism themed direct to amazon horror film where you're like i think this is supposed to be jesus-y but it's really hard to tell either because they're (laughs) either because of like sheer filmmaking incompetence or or just a lack of clarity in terms of of how of like the language of cinema sometimes so go ahead you know what's cool about that is that sometimes you can actually just email the director and ask them what the fuck's going on with the movie, which we have <laughs> really? done. Oh, oh really? What happened? Um, well, there's only one person that got back to us and was like trying to kind of explain the plot. And I mean, we kind of felt bad because it was like, man, this guy's really sincere. So let's just leave Aww. him alone. But like, you know, like it was hilarious that he even answered. But, like, here's what will be happening. We'll be watching these movies sometimes, and, like, often they're bad. Occasionally they're okay. Sometimes they're even scary. And so, like, you don't think anything of it until it's like, boy, these guys have been sitting in this preacher's office talking about Bible verses for a weirdly long time. (laughs) It's perhaps proselytizing, but it's so hard to tell. 
You got like <laughs> horror honey potted. <laughs> There's only one movie. I'm not going to recommend it, but only one movie that I'm going to name the title of. Okay. Which you can find on Amazon. I think even on YouTube, it's called red letters, which is this movie about this oh. priest and this cop investigating this supposedly satanic murder and watch this movie sometime or don't, if you know, it's good for you, but watch this movie sometime and tell me like, was this made by people who are trying to convert us or by people who are trying to scare us. It's kind of impossible to tell. Okay, I found it. I'm going to tag it for later. <laughs> I apologize on our behalf for the uh, movie-going experience you are about to have. <laughs> One of our podcast stream queens is about streaming things on the internet. Oh my gosh, you guys should totally do that. <laughs> we might. That might be she's made me watch some stinkers, man. I feel like, you know. Yeah, she's owed. It's payback yeah, time. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I will be watching this later. See, look at this, people. Aren't you glad I brought them on? Look at these excellent <laughs> recommendations you're getting. Red letter. Let's start. It's a it's not a movie, it's a movement. Let's let's all watch it. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Okay, so what are some films or filmmakers, Eli would be a good example, uh, that you think people are sleeping on? Nobody talks about it or you don't feel like it gets enough love that listeners should be watching aside from Red Letters? Gosh, I don't know. Like, I just, I, I like paying attention to some of the emerging directors, uh, Robert Eggers of The Witch, Ari Oster mm -hmm. of Hereditary and Midsummer. really interested to see where they go next. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like... We, we have like these kind of big horror movie characters who sort of transcend their franchises. Like, you know, you get your Jasons and your, your Freddies or whatever, but I feel like the, the phantasm crew kind of got left out of the conversation. It's true. Now, mm -hmm. it, it is a, it is a special place in my heart because uh, it was partially filmed in Oakland. Mm -hmm. And I also just love that Reggie Bannister who's made it through all of the movies and then I just have to give them credit for keeping it going because there's five Phantasm movies. Like the first two are like maybe like 10 years apart. Then mm -hmm. there's like a couple years between two and three. And then we start to get a real big gap. So like between three and four <laughs> is like another 10, 12 years. And then between four and five is like something like 15 years. In I don't between, even they realize still get there the original cast. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. Yeah. So just mad props to the the um oh god i just his name just flew out of my head the the director Dante? producer no uh no don cos casarelli that's yes. who it is yes yes teamwork <laughs> and so i just feel like the tall man and his his backstory which you know is is not perfect but what what slasher or horror yeah. movie monsters backstory is perfect I just feel like it's, mm -hmm. it got a little slept on. It should get more appreciation. I agree. They have a special place in my heart because, I don't know, I don't know how old you guys are, probably younger than me, but I remember they were a staple of the horror section of, you know, in the video rental store. So you would go in and you'd see that ball with the knives on it. Oh, and yeah. As a kid, I was too scared to rent them. But it's it's got the great imagery because it's got Angus Scrim as the tall man. It's very mm -hmm. cool and intimidating. And then you've got the cool silver ball with the knives that come out, the the mausoleum backdrops, the well, I mean little kind of imp <laughs> things. Could use could use another draft, I guess you could say. <laughs> but it, it's got such good imagery um that yeah. really sticks with you. 
Phantasm is such a weird franchise because you watch that first movie that came out of what, 77? Mm-hmm. And it's it's very, it's almost artsy. It's very surreal. Part of the surrealism is they ran out of money and so there's <laughs> actually unfinished. And so if you're confused about stuff, that's not your fault. It's hard to be by design. But there's, when I say surrealist, like there are shots and seeing this movie where when they were done, like, did I just see that? I'm actually not even sure what just happened. <laughs> but it's really scary and freaky and it's great and it feels very high-minded and then you wait 10 years and they make a sequel and it's just an evil dead knockoff which like so bad which like is fine in its own right but it's like i was not expecting that and then like you watch casserelli's other movies it's like oh evil dead knockoffs is kind of what he wanted to do anyway yeah he just did this first movie on like acid i'm guessing (laughs) (laughs) and it established a tone that is not carried through for the rest of his filmography he also did bubba hotep by the way if you need any more evidence that he really just wanted to be making evil dead which again great movie but yeah totally not the same thing yeah, he even got Bruce Campbell in that one. Dreams were coming <laughs> true that day. <laughs> uh, well, I'm going to cheat a little bit because okay. I'm going to have people or movies that we've talked about on the show. Okay. One of them is Anything for Jackson. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, That's yeah. a great one. Yeah. lot. Really had a lot of fun with that movie. And um, I really, really hope more people get to see it. Just because, it, you know, I, I don't think any, you know, there's very few horror movies that are perfect but there's a couple of really good scares in it and i had a lot of fun and then the other one is actually a comedy it's called letters to satan claus oh i'm gonna be (laughs) a part of that (laughs) write that down for christmas episode ariel (laughs) it is it is a horror comedy though so i don't know if that's if that's in your bag oh love her yeah for sure yeah i think we had the director on did we have the director on yes yes and uh they were a lot of fun and they previously made romantic comedies Oh, and just like lifetime channel position. Yeah. Like like full, full bore lifetime channel, romantic comedies where every, you know, yeah, the well, same the poster art for this, I'm looking time. up, it looks very kind of Hallmark channel. like. Yes. And, oh, and it's directed by a woman. Silly. And uh, it's, it's really great. And I highly suggest that one too. Next Christmas, Rachel. I know we're always looking for good Christmas options. (laughs) (laughs) We're like, are we just going to do Black Christmas every year? (laughs) Uh, Quick caveat, by the way, I believe the director of Letters to Satan Claus identifies as non-binary, but I don't think they would mind being featured on More Deadly for all that. I feel like they would actually probably uh, buy into the uh, vibe of this show pretty hard. (laughs) Awesome. awesome awesome okay and then you know what like we say women identify but there's definitely space for non-binary yeah absolutely directors on here we had this whole conversation about that upcoming film we're all going to world fair so like we're we're kind of at, behind the scenes talking about how we're going to kind of maybe adjust some of our language so that we, it becomes more inclusive around that because i think that's super important and shit now we need it for christmas anyway so yeah <laughs> <laughs> So how about you, Daniel? What are we sleeping on that that we've missed out on that we need to be watching? I've got a weird answer because until relatively recently, I wouldn't have thought this is a movie people are sleeping on. But I just recently, again, rewatched Carnival of Souls and I've come to find oh. out there are a yeah. lot of people, I guess, who are not horror buffs who are not big on this movie that came out in the early 60s independent uh really really uh in the film at the time and again probably uh, most zombie girls listeners have at least heard of this movie if not Mm -hmm. seen it but if you haven't go and check it out really odd film first time filmmaker only time filmmaker lots of Mm. actors in here who were in their first or only roles and 
it's, it's again very strange surreal kinds of artsy movie but also charmingly amateurish is maybe the word that i would use for it that is a good description yeah very twilight zoney and the term uh-huh. of the atmosphere it's going yeah, for yeah. actually in my opinion kind of a scary and disturbing movie because it is a movie about the fear of mortality and also i feel after watching it the most recent time i feel like this is probably a movie about these days we would say having mental health problems that are not being mm-hmm. respected by the people around you in those days they probably would have called it a movie about going insane in either right. case, I feel as if the, the, our, our heroine in this movie has this feeling that the world is hostile to her in ways she can't articulate, and the people around her are tremendously unhelpful about this in ways that only exacerbate it, and so I, I, I felt that theme was particularly pronounced the last time I watched it. The only advice that I would give people if you've never seen the movie before is definitely don't watch the weird colorized version that's going around because this is a great example of how black and white photography when well done can add an awful lot to a movie and it can cover Mm -hmm. up an awful lot in your movie too. Once you turn, especially (laughs) the weird grainy fake colorized stuff that they did really Uh makes this movie look incredibly cheap. And this movie was incredibly cheap. So it didn't need (laughs) that little goose, you know, (laughs) there are scenes in this movie that again, in the original, uh, in the original look to, to me to be very bizarre and haunting. And then you put those strange colorized filters over it. And it just looks like an industrial film, which indeed is what this director made for most of his career (laughs) yeah and a great thing about this movie by the way it's one of those weird movies that got put in the public domain immediately because somebody forgot to carry a one or whatever the fuck and so you can watch it anywhere including on youtube right now in fact i think there's a pretty good print that got uploaded to youtube a couple of years ago so check that out if you haven't awesome great recommendations across the board yeah, I'm ashamed to say it. Even though I'm familiar with Carnival of Souls, I have not watched it. So I guess I'm going to need to correct that. Yeah, yeah let us know it. what you think if you do, or let me know at least. I will. I will hit you up in the Discord. So speaking of films and filmmakers that you maybe love, tonight we're going to be talking about Satanic Panic by director Chelsea Stardust. So first of all, I guess I wanted to know what made you guys decide on this one? Well, you hadn't done it yet. And... <laughs> I mean, that that's a valid yeah, reason. <laughs> and we actually, we discussed this, we did discuss this on Black Bass Appeal, but not that extensively, actually. We didn't have an episode about it. We just talked about it uh, in passing in a couple of shows. So we hadn't really dived into it ourselves either. So um, there, there are very mercenary, utilitarian reasons for it. Uh, Tabitha Simone, was there anything else about it that appealed to you? We had a screening of it for our Discord, or didn't we? I'm pretty sure. We did with the did. Patreon backers, yeah. Yes, that there you go. There you go. So that's kind of where like we didn't really talk about it too much on the show, but we like, you know, we're sitting there in, you know, our our streaming, our shared streaming experience and just talking shit in the chat, which was made it even better. <laughs> Gotta love a group watch. That's how you get through some real oh yeah. bombs. That's how we got through the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> <laughs> that's the only reason I got through that movie. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Well, that sounds great. Those are all perfectly good reasons. I was very curious what you guys would pick. Unfortunately, we we had done your first pick, which was The Love Witch, and I will say I love that movie. Oh, I hope you such guys a good do movie. too. BMA plug. We actually had on a biller on episode fifteen of Black Mass <gasps> oh, Appeal. That's amazing. Love her. She's so talented. So interesting. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, she's great. Okay, awesome. So I know that because this this show 
focuses on women identified directors you guys are somewhat limited in your options and i was wondering if there is one last question before we get into our review if there is a movie that you think does a really good job of representing satanism as you know it Ooh, good question Ooh, that is a good question there's a part of anything for jackson that it's so it's not a horror comedy but there was this one part of the movie (laughs) where this couple this older couple goes to their local satanic uh meeting oh uh that looks like it's in a rec rec hall Uh or something and they, they, they finish up their you know saying whatever their version of the dark lord's prayer is or whatever and the guy's like okay well there's gonna be uh cookies and refreshments on the the table over there and go ahead and help yourselves thank you to thank you to martha for baking the chocolate chip cookies we really appreciate and i'm just like dying (laughs) (laughs) first of all we would love to have access to like a a rec hall or something because we're always looking for uh, venues for our events but a lot of our events are potlucks and you know i don't know if satan is has granted uh, our group with particular culinary skills, but it's always delicious. <laughs> Amazing. I mean, you'll have to have Tabitha's for deviled eggs and onion dip. Ooh, uh, and so just it was a small part of this movie, but I think it kind of captured how mundane a lot of it actually is because mm-hmm. we're just people. We're not worshiping anything. We're not sacrificing anything. We're just kind of getting together and, and talking about our interests and our our beliefs. And yes, occasionally we want to dress up in our goth best and, and eat cookies. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I that, that sounds amazing. Yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> Any other movies stand out to you as ones that, you know, get it right? I think this is kind of the other side of the coin from that, because, yes, that is that is the true calling of satanism is sitting around somewhere and and eating um but as far as like the way i feel about satanism i would definitely go with kind of the theme of the witch Mm, Um, totally yeah in in the way that like the breaking the chains and freeing yourself from the situation that you're in and Mm. realizing at the end that nobody can hurt you anymore like you're just you're you're free. You're done. You can, you, you're allowed to be who you are. Like that to me is really important and like really expresses a lot of how I felt when I became a Satanist and still to this day. Oh, that's beautiful. I really love that. Yeah. There are essentially no movies about Satanists that depict actual Satanism. Instead we get, as in the film we're going to talk about tonight, you know, sort of Hollywood movie Satanism, which is actually Mm -hmm. fine. That's, that's, you know, that's, uh, Uh, entertaining in its own right Uh, there are a few documentaries about real satanists the most recent and famous of which being Mm -hmm. the 2019 film hail satan question mark which by the way you can go back to episode 45 to listen to director penny lane on bma talk about that also several of our friends are in that movie so there is that um i would say in terms of the themes and values that we hold closest in satanism a movie that we usually put actually is actually on our satanic cinema list cinema with an s because uh, you let me make the list and that's the kind of thing you're going to end up with <laughs> is uh, the the modern Guillermo del Toro classic Pan's Labyrinth which is oh, a okay. great film <laughs> a great film for Satanists and Satanism not only because of the beautiful atmosphere and the way that it combines history and folklore with contemporary concerns but then also the central message of that of questioning and defying authority 
and mm. and and being able to determine the difference between things that are institutionally correct and uh morally concerning is one that is deeply important and especially the final message being that it is ultimately a profoundly personal choice what the right thing to do is it is not arbitrary as we see in the movie it is actually deeply profoundly concerned with other people and has uh, incredible ramifications um but nevertheless the decision ultimately boils down to you and then the fawn in that movie you know, one of the all-time great movie mm-hmm. monster effects great performance from doug jones there is, yeah. uh, is is a great devil figure because he is on the one hand uh, a teacher and a guide and he's mysterious and alluring but he's also sinister and strange and you're not 100 percent sure if you should trust him and he ends up it's kind of like a so- socratic trial by fire where this teacher sort of thrusts you into these terrible situations where you have to come mm-hmm. up with the answers for yourself probably not a great way to teach satanism in real life but great way to do it in a movie (laughs) (laughs) clearly i need to revisit that movie because i definitely think i did not get everything out of it that i could have when i saw it when it came first came out but that that these are great answers i love these answers because i do you all kind of came at it from very different perspectives and cumulatively i think that they shed some light on actual modern satanism so that's that's really great that's awesome All right, let's get into this movie review because as much as I could sit here and just interview you, (laughs) don't tempt me because you guys are fascinating. (laughs) I I also value your time. So, all right, before we do that, though, Ariel, can you please let any new listeners know what our spoiler policy is here? Of course. So first of all, Rachel is going to tell you about the director and the making of this movie. And then we're going to give you our non-spoiler sort of overall general thoughts about whether this movie is worth checking out. And then everything after that is up for grabs. And we're going to talk about the whole thing, all the twists, the ending. So if that's something that would bother you, this movie is on Shudder. You can go check it out and then come on back and finish listening to the episode. Otherwise, just stick with us. All right. So let me tell you a little bit about our girl, Chelsea Stardust. So she grew up on a rural farm in North East Ohio, but it was not your standard farm with cows, chickens, pigs, whatever it is that you envision to be a farm. Nope. It was a farm that housed 25 sled dogs. What? (laughs) Her father raced sled dogs and so did she until she was 16. Oh, that's so cool. Yep. Yep. In addition to that, both of her parents were artists. Her mother was a sculptor and her father was a painter. And so art was very present in the home growing up, including, of course, movies, specifically horror movies. When she was about 10, her father introduced her to George Romero's Night of the Living Dead and Todd Browning's Dracula. And pretty much from then on, she knew she wanted to direct films, specifically horror films. So right away, she started attending night classes at the Cleveland Institute of Art, where she assisted filmmaker Robert Banks Jr. in shooting Super 8 Experimental Horror. And he was one that actually introduced her to a more grittier side of horror with things like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Hells Have Eyes, God Told Me To. And it just sort of blew her mind. And so as soon as she graduated from film school, she relocated to L.A., where she started working for first Ivan Reitman and then Judd Apatow. and then. Yeah, so she was doing a lot of stuff in the comedy space, but then she decided, like, nah, this is not for me. I I really, my heart is in horror. So so then (laughs) the opportunity came up for her to become Jason Blum of Blumhouse's personal assistant. And so she jumped at it, got the job. I'm sure you've heard the little anecdote about his terrible 
yes yeah his like there's no women who want to make horror films when his at that moment assistant was a woman who wanted to make horror films but that makes it so much worse it's real bad okay but eventually she did that for like four years and with blum's blessing uh, she moved on to directing full-time her first feature film was actually for bloomhouse and that was all that we destroy which is one of the entries into the into the dark anthology do you remember this one ariel I'm so bad with the titles of those No films. worries. <laughs> I wrote <laughs> it down, so we're good. It's the one about the geneticist and the serial killer. Oh, I don't actually don't think I've ever seen that one. Oh, it's a good one. That sounds yeah, like it's a really, premise. It is. It's it's pretty Black Mirror-y. I would mm, recommend checking it out. It's on Hulu, so it's easy access. Okay. She also directed a horror musical comedy for the stage called, entitled slashed the musical for the 2017 (laughs) hollywood fringe festival and it was nominated for best musical and screamiest show and won an encore award oh wow i feel like that's a hard line to walk doing a horror comedy that also has singing in it that's tricky yeah yeah well we all know how i feel about musicals yeah (laughs) do do tell i need i need to know what side we're on here i'm not a okay, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yes, my Daniel people. and Tabitha. It's it's you know two against one. It's it's I have I always have that disclaimer of like I don't want musicals to not exist. If you like it, that's fine. Yeah. Enjoy yourself. I like shit that right. other people don't like. It's just that I just don't like musicals. I've got a couple yeah. of exceptions. <laughs> A couple yeah. of exceptions. Uh, the Buffy episode that, that was a musical. One's more feeling. One. Uh-huh. That one slaps. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. The show Gallivant. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I would I would not be a proper goth person if I didn't like Rocky Horror Picture Show. Of that course. is true. Yeah. No. Uh, I mean, I'm, those I'm are with all... you on the other on the general they're just Stand, so though. sincere. <laughs> I don't know if I'm just yeah. too cynical, but I can't. I'm just like, ooh, cringe when they start singing. <laughs> out there, there's a world outside of the Yonkers. Outside of this hick town, Barnaby. Yes. yes. We have least, a new exception. At least back off of the mic if you're going to sing. <laughs> lean in, Daniel. Lean in. That, that's fair. Give me all them decibels. I can take it. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. Okay. So, as for what she's up to next, actually, I couldn't find anything concrete. She did say in 2019 that she is attached to two projects by the writers of All That We Destroy. And they're just, at the time, they were waiting to see if they would be greenlit. I mean, I'm sure, no doubt, she's up to something, but, uh, and we'll cover it obviously whenever she does. But sadly, I did not, I don't have anything gotcha. definitive. All right, production information. And I'm curious what you guys are going to think about some. All right, but I'll go. Okay. <laughs> so, all right. So, Satanic Panic was first announced in 2015, but with a different director, Ted Gagan, who wrote the story for this, though the screenwriter was actually Grady Hendricks, who may sound familiar because he is the author of the oh. Final Girls Support Group. Yeah. And My right. Best Friend's Exorcism. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, I haven't seen this movie. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I, I have I have some that. opinions on 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 that as I've so I've read the Final Girl Support Group. Uh-huh. I was so mm-hmm. into the premise. I really liked the mm-hmm. idea. Did not like the execution. Oh, thank God! Did not like Neither it at did all. We. <laughs> on the right and, side of history yeah. again. <laughs> and so 
I've seen Satanic Panic twice now, once during the stream uh, that we had for the Black Mass Appeal Patreon supporters, and then just to refresh for, for this show. So I had not read Final Girl Support Group during the stream. Was it even out yet? I'm not sure. But I've you know read it, and then now watching it you know as a refresher for, mm -hmm. for this show, it was the first time I noticed, oh, it's Grady Hendrix. And it's like, it's the same way I feel about musicals. I'm glad yeah. you're here. I'm glad you exist. There yeah. are people who love you. It's just not for me. Just not for me. <laughs> like, I might even yeah, read another that. one of the books because Horror Store has, like, a really great premise. All of these have really great premises. Yeah. Just I'm not super into the execution. So that might be a bit of a preview on how I feel about the movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We have a friend who loves Grady Hendrix, and I just get very quiet when the subject comes <laughs> up. <laughs> Which should be a giveaway because I never shut up. But uh... <laughs> that's true. Hey. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's fine. Okay. So production halted on that for whatever reason. Production hell comes up. They went off and did Mohawk together. And then in 2018, when, uh, it was announced that it was back in production, this time now with Chelsea Stardust directing it. And according to Stardust, Fingoria was specifically looking for a woman director for this film. In fact, she says most of the department heads on this film were women. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So in 2018, the film was shot in Dallas, Texas over the course of 18 days. The film did the 2019 festival circuit and was released on DVD and Blu-ray on October 22nd, 2019. One interesting fact is that when it came out on DVD, Walmart uh, sold it. But they made a little alteration to the slipcover. Can you guess Ooh. what they did? Oh, I've got an idea. They removed satanic. So it's just called panic. What? You find it in Walmart. <laughs> they didn't that's even replace confuse... it with a different word. <laughs> yeah, that's going to confuse a lot of panic at the disco fans. They're going to be like, oh, it's a video. No, wait, it is not. <laughs> What's weird is they left the pentagram on it. I, but it just says gonna... panic. Yeah, that's so weird. I thought they were going to remove that background part of the mm -hmm. pentagram. That's I mean, they could have at least called it like, say, you know, like a, like satin, satin. <laughs> <laughs> I would also watch that movie. Okay. So the film is currently available to stream on Shutter, as Ariel said. So if you haven't checked it out, it's easy to get your hands on. All right. So there's actually a little controversy that surrounds this movie. Are you guys familiar with that? Emma? No. All right. So this has a connection to Cinestate, which at the time owned Fangoria. And there was an incident that took place on set that has become a little bit of a problem. So, oh, yeah. So there was an expose published by the Daily Beast in June 2020. Uh, entitled How a Right-Wing Movie Studio Enabled the Harvey Weinstein of Indie Film. Oh, boy. Uh -oh. Yeah, I don't I don't know if you guys read this when it came out. I know I it's long and I read every word. It was very interesting and illuminating about what was going down at Cinestate, particularly with this producer, Adam Donaghy. This came out as a result of him being accused of rape of a minor, he was a producer on Jesus. set, and that's where he met her. It was sort of revealed that there had been a long time whisper campaign about him because he was a serial sex, sexual uh, harasser. In Ugh. fact, there is audio of him sexually harassing someone oh that was God. widely circulated for no. years. Ugh. And wow. the CEO of Cinestate refused to listen to it, essentially. 
of course yeah. yeah there was also some issues with a few other productions like on the set of vfw this is a long complex issue but there was an incident that also took place on the set of satanic panics so i'm just going to read you the section from this article this is like i said from the daily beast Two crew members on Satanic Panic also alleged that the actress Ruby Modine, daughter of Matthew, was pressured by Donaghy into performing a sex scene with an obsessed fanboy. The guy that they cast didn't show up. Ruby Modine confessed to me that the PA that picked her up in front of the airport was saying, oh my gosh, my roommate was so in love with you and we're really excited that you're here. It ended up being that that was the guy they replaced this character with was that fan. So she was forced to do a sex scene with a guy who was a fan of hers. A crew member tells the Daily Beast she protested it to myself, to Amanda, and to Adam. I told them that she didn't feel comfortable with it and they needed to talk to her about it. And Adam said, I don't care what she says. We're going to shoot our movie and walked out of the room. It rubbed Mm. me the wrong way, the crew member adds. She ended up doing the scene with the guy who was a fan of hers who could have been pleasurized by the scene. It was wrong and obscene. Modine declined to comment. Donaghy could not be reached for comment. Presmic, I don't know who that is. While acknowledging the hire says it, it has never been expressed to me directly that there was any particular discomfort with the scene, Satanic Panic director Chelsea Stardust alleges that she was completely unaware of Adam's behavior and the history until a few weeks ago, and that no one was involved with the production expressed any concern to me about Adam's involvement. Boy. The scene remains Yikes. in the film. So it's obviously the opening scene. That guy that, you know, is oh. in the bedroom with her, that's the super fan. Oh. I was going to say, thinking back to the movie, I don't remember. I was going to say that had to be the scene they're talking about, a scene which is Mm -hmm. very brief and could very easily not have been in the movie at all. Maybe they intended it for it to be longer earlier. I have no idea, but you could have lost that and not really detracted from the film at all. Not that that's that's the important thing, but nevertheless, it is hard to overlook in light of all of that. I mean, I think it is important because, like you said, it was an unnecessary scene that they could have excised without compromising the film, and they chose that over. Right. They chose not to listen to her complaints that this was not okay with her, and instead went ahead and filmed a scene that you absolutely do not need in the movie. Yeah. So after the arrest, basically it led kind of to the collapse of Cinestate. Bandago insisted that they be sold off or released from whatever situation they had, and they ended up closing it. However, there is a successor to the company. Bonfire Legend was launched by them in early 2021 to carry on the company's mission of the Rebeller Media Label in partnership with the Daily Wire. Oh, really? So, yeah. (laughs) They learned their lesson. (laughs) Yeah. I hate all of this. This is awful. Yep, 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 yep. And it kind of sucks because if it's true that, you know, Chelsea didn't know anything about this, it sucks that this will ever forever be linked with her film. And it really, yeah. really sucks for Ruby Modine. Yeah. Yeah. So on that cheery note, <laughs> let's get into our review. <laughs> Not to change the topic radically, but <laughs> since we did touch on it a little bit with the Walmart thing, I am curious, what do people think about this title, Satanic Panic? Because if you are, say, a Satanist or somebody who listens to Black Mass Appeal, you associate that phrase with the anti-Satanism scare of the 80s mm-hmm. and early 90s. Mm-hmm. And when I heard this movie, it was announced. And before we watched it the first time, I was in my mind comparing it to, uh, say, Ty West's House of the Devil, the 
2009 mm, movie uh-huh. ty west the the current director of the movie x which is in mm-hmm. theaters right now and i gather is, 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 is i think is a bit of a hit so good for him and very good he made house of the devil because he said essentially he grew up during that satanic panic period always hearing these stories yeah. about the mm-hmm. evil satanic rituals that were secretly going on in small town america but of course every time he you know, pushed on those stories a little bit. The rumors always fell apart. It never turned out to be true. Imagine that. So he made a movie about essentially, well, what if it was true? What would that look like? And I actually like House of the Devil quite a bit. We talked about that mm-hmm. on yeah, an episode we did, I think, in 2020 of BMA, but the actual citation is eluding me. I have to go back and look at that one. So walking into this movie, I was expecting something kind of like that. And I guess we do get something kind of like that. But that's where the similarities between those films end. So what, if anything, were people expecting from the title relative to what we got? And do we actually think this is a good title for this movie at all? I mean, I think it's misleading. Yeah. Yeah, but I was yeah. definitely intrigued by it because I'm also of the right age where I remember I remember the satanic panic. And so it has and as a little horror nerd as a kid, I wanted it to be real. So <laughs> anything about it I thought was interesting. So so yeah, I feel like I kind of we'll talk about this when we get into our feelings about the movie, but I think I was misled a little bit, like you said, about the and that maybe didn't do the film service. What about you, Tabitha and Simone? Um, right there with you. Once again, I think I saw the <laughs> poster uh, first. So I had I got the the title and then like kind of some of the imagery, you know, smack at the same time. And it immediately did not match to me mm-hmm. because Satanic Panic is it was a real thing. It has a very distinct, you know, place and time in American history. It's got a very distinct aesthetic uh, unto mm-hmm. itself and none of it matched. And I get what they're trying to do. I get that they're trying to, you know, take this phrase that is popular and commonly associated with Satan or Satanism and just kind of make the most out of that. I mean, yeah, we named our show Black Mass Appeal. I I understand. So I just feel like they could have picked something better, something more modern, because this is a very modern take Mm. on on this kind of story. And so I'm just thinking, like, oh, you could have played up some sort of like fucking like I don't know Illuminati shit, or yeah, you that's know, true. Even made fun of real boring Satanists. You know, actually, there's a line in the movie where, where the the main character says, "I know a real Satanist, and he's a vegan." <laughs> that's, that's accurate. That's closer. Uh, but there wasn't enough of that to kind of uh, justify the the. Mm-hmm juxtaposition for me that's another thing is again comparing it to house of the devil a movie that actually was a period film set in the 80s and for once that was actually not indulgent just to do 80s nostalgia that was actually appropriate to that theme here you've got Mm -hmm. this movie that's set in a contemporary setting which is fine but like guys you're doing a movie about a secret satanic cult set in the 21st century and the main character is a pizza delivery person and you don't do a pizzagate joke what is yeah. going on? <laughs> oh my missed, gosh, it's right there. Missed, missed, missed opportunities. <laughs> actually, I take that back. The logo for the pizza place is, pro- is maybe a joke about that, which is actually kind of funny. Um, <laughs> ta- what is the logo? I don't remember. It's a slice of pizza with an eye at the top, like the all-seeing eye on the oh, pyramid. Very nice. I didn't even oh, watch that. Shirt. But again, <laughs> look, look, we all saw the movie, and did anybody else besides me notice that? So obviously they did not make enough out of that. So, <laughs> uh, Tabitha, what do you think, title-wise? <laughs> I mean, 
like I want to give them the benefit of the doubt and we're like, well, it was satanic and the main character was panicking during the <laughs> Quite film. A bit. So, I love yeah. this literal read. <laughs> I'm like try I'm trying really hard. Yeah. <laughs> the same thing, like I actually saw the poster too and was under the impression that this was going to be some kind of eighties movie, but they were just not projecting it very well with the title mm. like i was like oh you know fun this is going to be kind of a fun little 80s romp or something and then i was like well i don't know this doesn't quite really look like that <laughs> <laughs> i gotta say though because i am a person who watches extremely bad horror movies i have ex very very low expectations for things <laughs> they, people like to name their well. movies all sorts of fun garbage <laughs> can we come true. up with an alternate more accurate title for this I was gonna go the six 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 percent. Oh, Ooh, that's good. <laughs> so that's a lot closer, like yeah, to what it actually that. was. All right, well then I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Okay, so let's get into our feelings about this. Tabitha, why don't you go first? What did you think of this movie? It's really interesting. Um, the first time we watched this with the stream and everything, I had a really good time. Mm -hmm. It was fun. You know, I don't know if it was just because I was with a group or like, I do like movies that are a little tongue in cheek as well. I think that's, uh, I think that's a lot of fun to to experience yeah. that, especially in a group. But, you know, Daniel and I, well, actually, I, I assume Simone did as well, watched it again to kind of refresh ourselves with it. And I, I just didn't have as much fun with it this time. There's still a couple of jokes in it that I thought were really funny. But like, I don't know, maybe I was paying a lot more like a lot closer attention to it this time and it mm. just didn't make a lot of sense i don't know um i still didn't hate it or anything uh i don't i don't you know i don't want to express some really you know heavy emotions on this uh kind of fluff fluffy little movie but like i don't know i just i didn't have as much fun <laughs> oh that's a bummer <laughs> how about you simone so my feelings on this movie is i see what they were trying to do <laughs> I see the intent. I see what they were trying to do. And just like I feel about uh, Grady Hendrix's uh, written work, I it, but it didn't execute for me. And, right. you know, that's that's not like horror comedy is a very hard uh, needle to thread mm -hmm. because you are sacrificing kind of one sort of tension, which undercuts the horror tension. But I've seen it done well. Like there's this, uh, I believe, New Zealand movie called Housebound. That mm, I love that movie. Fucking hysterical. Yes. And yet the, they're like scares at the end that legit had me jumping. And so this movie like should have leaned harder into being comedy. And don't get me wrong. Like they really went there with the wacky characters and the kind of over the top tropes. Um, but there weren't jokes or good jokes yeah. anyway yeah and yeah. there was nothing that was actually scary like you got to give me some kind of of horror tension or suspense or you know just like give me a jump scare give me like an actual jump scare didn't deliver so yeah it was uh, just kind of gross there was definitely yeah. like gross <laughs> yeah. parts mm -hmm. and, and and again i understand like watching a schlocky gore blood fest is fun in its own right but again i think they're trying to sort of do too much and i see the intent i see the tropes that they're trying to like you know play off of but it just didn't hold together for me that's fair well i think i like this movie a little bit more than both of my co-hosts although neither of them are wrong about the criticisms that they just said 
I think maybe there's a few things that I appreciated about this. Like Simone says, there's not really a lot of jokes, which is true, but there is some stuff in here that's funny in an ironical way. For example, almost anything Rebecca Romaine says or does yeah. is hysterical <laughs> just in how much she is enjoying the sardonic black wit of this. There's a scene in here where she's seducing this idiot who's just completely oblivious. And I could watch that all day. That's just good fun. Is there a ha-ha gag in there? Not really, but it's definitely mm-hmm. entertaining. I think there's some practical effects in here that considering I think this is a relatively low budget film they they did a great job with I think most of the cast is excellent I think in terms of the tone thing that Simone was talking about here's what I said after we finished watching it again for the second time last night is I think it's okay if you do a horror comedy and you make it absurd and I also think it's okay if you do a horror comedy and you play it more serious but I feel like trying to do both of those without a really strong directorial vision mixes things up a little bit. There are scenes in this movie that are completely off the wall. And then there are scenes in this movie that we're supposed to take gravely seriously. And there's just not a lot of, (laughs) it doesn't navigate that spectrum very uh, adroitly. I guess two movies I would compare this unfavorably to would be if you want a horror comedy that takes itself seriously while still being kind of ridiculous, watch uh, We Summon the Darkness, another great mm, satanic panic mm-hmm. period film that I think this movie kind of wanted to be like although We Summon the Darkness came afterwards, but I feel like that was the tone this movie was maybe aiming for. And then yeah. also the, the Netflix movie The Babysitter which is a ridiculous, mm. goofy mm-hmm. ass horror comedy <laughs> That's a fun one. that is not I, I like less than say we summon the darkness but that's a movie that definitely knows what it's doing that is not a movie that has to second guess itself or or has to or 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 undermines itself at any point that is a movie that is like picked an idea and went full steam ahead and fuck the consequences and this movie i feel tries to do that but i think it just gets a little bit hung up on itself yeah also also i have some notes for the filmmakers, <laughs> not that they asked. Maybe we don't need to talk about them right now. Maybe this can wait. But no, I definitely no. want to talk about at least a few of them. Okay, well, we're going to get into spoilers soon where you can get into actual plot beats, which I'm guessing maybe that touches on. Because I want to hear all the notes. Yeah, <laughs> me too. <laughs> awesome. All right, well, how about you, Ariel? What did you think of this? Was this? And was this a first watch for you? Yeah, this was a first watch for me. I had no idea what this movie was about. So I agree that the title sort of misled me a little bit. But I do think maybe I liked it a little more than some people here. It's fun and goofy and kind of dumb, but I was entertained through most of the runtime. There's ridiculous over-the-top gore and some, you know, funny moments. And I love that Rebecca Romaine is just chewing up the scenery and seems Mm -hmm. to be really loving what she's doing. I like that you know, we've got women here who are powerful and kind of power hungry and greedy. Mm -hmm. I think that's interesting. And I think that Sam and Judy are fun together. They have kind of good chemistry. And honestly, we've done some darker movies recently, Mm -hmm. both on this podcast and the zombie girls Mm -hmm. and having something light was kind (laughs) of refreshing. (laughs) Rachel and I just finished watching Hagazooza for instance. (laughs) After watching that, this was kind of a breath of fresh air, even if it's not perfect. I agree that there are some plot beats that don't really work. I'll get into that in cons, especially I think the beginning and the end are not are kind of imperfect. But there's also just some really fun, ridiculous stuff in this movie that I actually did enjoy. Hmm. 
good. Yeah, this was a second watch for me, and I think I enjoyed it more the second time because I had recalibrated my expectations oh, somewhat. Smart. I was expecting a different movie the first time I watched it, and so I let myself down a little bit, and I found quite a bit more to enjoy about it this time. I think, well, it's not necessarily laugh out loud funny. I think it's an amusing movie. Yeah, I'd say it's yeah. a yeah. horror yeah. amusing. <laughs> <laughs> And we've talked, I, I, we all agree that Rebecca Romaine is chewing up the scenery and is fantastic and just having the best time ever. But I also think that Arden Mirren, who plays Gypsy and is an actor I always really enjoy, is yeah. pretty fun in this too. It's sort <laughs> of the is. foil for her. <laughs> I always enjoy her sort of manic energy. And when she brings it in, it's like extra evil. I thought that was a lot of fun. Their dynamic entertained me. There are definitely some jokes here that do not land. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. uh the kildo for instance which one we can talk more about <laughs> is not great um but i do appreciate the running dis- joke of the disdain for corn on pizza because seriously that's gross who's getting I corn on pizza i, I um, agree that's terrible <laughs> yeah i think that this thing kind of kicks both up and down and that it doesn't really have a direction robs some of the joy for me i i yeah. always like something to kick up uh, especially when it's about the one percent, uh, and I wonder if that's like a sinister issue. I don't know, but it did it did kind of detract for me a little bit. But I do the what drew me back was the I like the creature effects and I liked the gore. And I think, like you said, if you have been watching nothing but you know, uh, you know meditations on grief through a horror lens, which we do a lot of and I love, but sometimes you do need that palate cleanser. And and this one was, if you're just looking for something light and dumb and fun and bloody, I do think that there is something to be had here. So put it on shutter, you know, stick it in the old prefrontal cortex and see how you do with it. Yeah. So if, if you like movies where all the men are schlubs, yeah, that's a <laughs> very good point. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that. That's a great yeah. point. By the way, oh yeah, none of us mentioned Jerry O'Connell. By the way, who is I know is, who is speaking <laughs> of having way too good of a time. <laughs> yeah, I think we'll have to get into that because uh-huh. that is a real mixed bag of a scene. It's so it starts on a real high and ends on a real low. Yeah, yeah, it does. <laughs> All right, let's speaking of spoilers, let's enter the spoiler zone. So I'm this is me vamping and giving people time to grab their phones or whatever device they are listening. They are allowing our voices to enter their brain through, whether it's your microwave, your Zoom. radio, your Zoom. <laughs> Come on, be realistic. <laughs> microwave, fine, but Zoom, Zoom. The, the metal fillings in your teeth. <laughs> don't tell them that we got that technology <laughs> through the 5g uh that w- from your vaccine however it is that you're getting this this ham broadcast <laughs> there you i mean ham sandwich <laughs> mm, i'm hungry okay so i think we've given people enough time ariel go ahead and drop that synopsis on us <laughs> All right, so Sam is our main character, and she is broke, so she gets a job delivering pizzas. And her first day goes terribly because everyone's a weirdo and no one's tipping her. At the end of the night, she goes to deliver pizzas to a giant mansion, but the rich dude doesn't tip her either. So when she goes to leave, her Vespa runs out of gas, and she sneaks inside the mansion to ask for a tip, but instead stumbles upon a group of Satanists who are getting ready to summon Baphomet. They need a virgin for the ceremony, and it turns out the young woman they picked isn't exactly a virgin anymore. 
So they drug Sam and lock her in a room with, like you said, Jerry O'Connell, who tries to save her by attempting to force her to have sex with him. But all is well because he accidentally shoots himself right away. That is kind of actually awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Sam manages to get away and runs to a neighbor's house to call the police. But they try to drug her. And then one of them attacks her with a giant drill strap-on, or as Rachel said, a kildo. (laughs) And no, that's not a euphemism. It actually happened. (laughs) Um, But the one wielding the strap-on accidentally kills her own sister, and then the drill goes into the wiring in the wall, and she electrocutes herself, too. They both die. Before leaving, Sam finds a young woman named Judy bound and gagged in one of the bedrooms. When she unties her, she realizes that she's the daughter of the cult leader Danica, played by Rebecca Romaine. Judy was supposed to have already been killed, so now the cult has to hunt down both young women who team up to try to escape. Despite their best efforts, Sam and Judy are captured and the ritual begins. Sam is impregnated by Baphomet. Judy is murdered by her mom. Sam gives birth to two bunnies. Something went wrong with the ritual and Sam wakes up fully dressed (laughs) with the cult gone. And in their place is a powerful demon named Samaziel in the body of a very young girl who plans to kill her. But Sam cons her way out of it and the demon lets her go and she rides off into the sunset sort of with a bunny in her jacket that's it (laughs) there you go all right now that all restraints have been lifted daniel i hear you have notes yeah let's hear them i do do we want to get into this now or do we want to i mean i don't know what's on that you tell notes notes (laughs) notes notes all right okay 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 okay. people have spoken and this is a democracy in fact maybe we should get this out of the way because maybe there are listeners who like oh we've got real satanists here talking about the satanism movie for once are they gonna talk about the authenticity of the film which Uh for the most part no because for the most part there isn't any (laughs) oh i thought you were gonna say it was 10 out of 10 okay (laughs) however we could go on about that kind of thing especially me let me give you an example of what it's like watching movies with me especially which, <laughs> so, so what it's like to be tabitha who's very nice to put up with me um <laughs> we were watching this pretty mediocre 2017 movie called stillborn the other day it's not bad but it's nothing to write home about there is a point in this movie where i actually said the following sentence Lady, if you're worried about this Mesopotamian demon haunting you, keeping all this Lamash 2 imagery around isn't helping anything. Just get yourself a Pazuzu and call it a day. <laughs> Pazuzu. That's a real yeah. sentence that came out of my mouth that I promise it makes sense. I, I, love, him. I love him very much. <laughs> oh, that was great. I love it. So do I have anything to say about that for this movie? Well, not really, because most of the stuff in this movie is just sort of made up Hollywood nonsense. Like they talk about... Uh, uh, all of the mythology about Baphomet, there actually isn't a lot of mythology about Baphomet, and most of what it is is weird nonsense. In fact, we did an episode about this just a couple of weeks ago. History of Baphomet number 114, check that out. They talk about the 11 princes of hell in Samazel, and like that's just all, that's just made up. There is no demon prince named Samazel that I've never, I've ever heard of in any demonology, although that name is kind of similar to names like Samael and Azazel. Anyway, the point mm-hmm. is, if they wanted to do a real, quote-unquote, real demon prince's name, they could have. Obviously, they didn't. That's fine. I don't demand that people care about these sorts of things. However, <laughs> however, <laughs> there are, again, I got a couple of notes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> One, 
So they're having this ritual on Beltane, and I'm sitting there the whole time wondering, why Beltane instead of Valpurgis not, which is the previous evening, if anybody's not up on your pagan okay. European calendar. Like, I know these are words. I know <laughs> you're speaking words. <laughs> and I asked this question out loud to Tabitha, and then a minute later, I'm like, I'm an idiot. It's just easier to say. That's the only reason. I'm positive that's the only reason they picked one up as the other. <laughs> I am very interested. So this idea of like ritual human sacrifice, which is the old, oldest trick in the book for your satanic cult movie. And oh, that old chestnut. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. And in fact, if you want to know more about why people obsess over that idea, even though there is no history of ritual human sacrifice in any satanic religion, I would actually recommend the 2006 book by delicious sounding theologian David Frankfurter titled Evil Incarnate. <laughs> or you can just email me and I'll tell you all about this book because I haven't shut up about it since I read it last year. But he. <laughs> He dives into the historical and and sociological reasons why we have these sort of cross-cultural fears of evil people committing these ritual depredation acts, which on the one hand horrifies, but we also seem kind of obsessed with. And so, but here, I'm actually going to reference a completely different book here, which is also a book called Satanic Panic by sociologist Jeffrey Victor. And here is, and I remember, so this is a book about, again, the actual satanic panic the actual oh, anti-satanism good, good, good. scare and here's a couple of quotes that just stood out to me while i was watching this film again here's one page 24 quote there are widespread rumors about various kinds of satanic cult commu- cult activity often alleged to be planning to kidnap and sacrifice blonde blue-eyed children in satanic rituals jeez oh, Here's from uh, page 47. Rumor stories abound about ritual meetings, the killings of cats, dogs, and other animals, the drinking of blood, and the predicted intimate kidnapping and sacrifice of a blonde, blue-eyed virgin. Here we go from page 43. Uh, here, he's accounting an actual scare in Jamestown, New York in the early 80s. Marcy was a psychology major at Jamestown Community College and seems to be a very rational and reasonable person. She oh, God. She also happened to be blonde, blue-eyed, 19-year-old. On the morning of Friday the 13th, Marcy overheard people at her office where she worked discussing the rumors that, quote, the cult was planning to kidnap and sacrifice a blonde, blue-eyed virgin. Her initial reaction was one of skeptical amusement. But later that day at home, her mother repeated the rumor story, angry that dangerous criminals could be on the loose in their community. The story no longer seemed so silly to Marcy, and she began to seek more information and calling some of her friends, and they too had heard the story about the cult and their imminent sacrifice and oh so later in the book uh i don't have the page number for this one excuse me victor notes why these kidnapping stories that feature blonde blue-eyed virgins rather than for example a dark-haired dark-eyed victim or a sexually promiscuous girl the answer lies apologies in advance by the way uh, the answer lies in the symbolism of the blonde-haired virgin which since ancient times in many european cultures has been has been held up as a symbol of innocence and purity it is found in folklore stories and in folk ballads at a deeper level the blonde virgin is a symbol for people's cherished ideals and so the rumor panic metaphor bespeaks this collective complaint our most cherished values are in danger from a mysterious force of evil so the lead here Haley griffith i can't help but notice is blonde and has blue eyes and as the movie repeats over and over again mm-hmm. her character is a virgin and this is critical to the right. sacrifice right. and uh she is not depicted as a child 
but although she does have some perhaps childlike girlish tendencies throughout the film, mm-hmm. and I strongly suspect that this movie were made 30 or 40 years ago, they probably would have made her a teenager instead of a 20 something just to get a little bit, get a little bit closer to that rumor panic reality. And so I don't know if this is something the filmmakers did on purpose. There could be any number of reasons why they cast Haley Griffin from this movie, including maybe just that she's pretty good in it. But nevertheless, that kind of stood out in my, in my memory. I remembered reading those passages about the strange, racist overtones of yeah blue-eyed <laughs> virginal you know the, the the weird misogynistic so yeah i don't know i don't know i feel like i don't know whether playing into that stereotype of this movie means anything but i feel like at least warrants a discussion i also wanted to bring up one last thing and this is a note that i would definitely have passed on to the filmmakers if they'd have asked which i would think <laughs> But the repeated chanting in the film of death to the weak, wealth to the strong. Now, Mm -hmm. that actually is a quotation from old Anton LaVey's Satanic Bible, which I assume is why they put it in the movie. However, however, what I would (laughs) guess the filmmakers did not know is that LaVey stole that phrase, along with significant other chunks of that exact same chapter of the Satanic Bible, from an older book, from the 1890s called Might is Right, written by a man named Ragnar Redbeard, actual real name Arthur Desmond, and Might is Right is in fact a rambling, rabid, anti-Semitic tract. Why did Anton LaVey steal from that book of all? Well, he was also kind of a fascist, although he was careful to clip the anti-Semitic parts out of the quotations that he lifted wholesale from that. So what we actually have here, wittingly or not, is oh, no. that dozens of characters in this movie are chanting what is essentially anti-Semitic propaganda. Somebody tweet Grady Hendrix and let him know. Yeah, now, really. <laughs> they are the bad guys. And in fact, they yeah. are a, I think, universally white, wealthy, yuppie, upper class group. So this is not necessarily inappropriate. But at the same time, I would guess they didn't know this. And they might have thought twice about it if anyone had told them. And yeah. So, because if they had known that, it seems like it would be maybe part of the plot and it's not brought up at all. Also, it's coming out of the mouths of the arguably most compelling characters in the movie. That's yeah. true. So um, those are the only insider notes we got for you. Um, other than the <laughs> fact that Tabitha and I noticed they used the big headed Baphomet during the cursing scene. Just wanted to put that out there. Oh, okay. I got to say, actually, uh, piggybacking off of that. Please. Because of just how much I look up satanic items online to maybe buy, maybe not. There's so much <laughs> costuming pieces and set pieces and stuff. I'm like, mm, you can get that on Amazon. I'm like, oh, is that one you can get at this place? Oh, <laughs> really? Oh, they, they went for the cheap one. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Are any of them her headpiece in the ritual? Because I was pretty healthy. into that. I could not. That one, no. But, mm. like, the entire outfit that the girls are wearing, I know where you can get all of that shit. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh yeah. The Instagram crappy thing. Yeah. yeah. Yes, I have the black version of, like, the pentagram chest that was pretty cute. Nice. Yeah. nice. I like it. I like it. We don't have the giant flaming metal pentagram hula hoop, though. We could use one of those. <laughs> so bad. You guys, I'm sorry, but you need that. Like, yeah. Do we need to start like a Patreon or something specifically for the... We need, yeah, that you guys need yes. it. We, we, need we, have a, we, we have need a, a gong. That, that's exactly it. Uh, I was going to say, we have a couple pieces that we are looking to acquire. A gong is one of them. I've priced it out... 
And really, it's just a matter of storage. I can't imagine that a hula-hooped sized pentagram would be any easier to fit in my closet. So uh, shelving that dream for now. I mean, does it have to get put away or could it be part of the decor? (laughs) (laughs) I got a a mother-in-law. I got a, well, Uh, sort of mother-in-law who um, is better off not knowing. Just put it that way. Got it. Fair. Got it. Fair. Fair. (laughs) Awesome. Anyway, the point is like, you know, is the the question of, of of how does this compare to real Satanism? Well, obviously it doesn't. This is like a mostly silly tongue-in-cheek pastiche of Hollywood Satanism stuff from other movies. Even the few things they, they that are actually authentic, that is, again, something that a lot of movies about devil-worshipping cults and exploitative films and B-films will do. They will take a little of the real stuff and sprinkle it in there out of context. Like, that, that's actually perfectly normal and so like i said uh that doesn't usually bother us that much because like we like these movies we think they're a lot of fun again this one is kind of a mixed bag but you know um and in fact to be completely honest uh sometimes if we see something in the movie that's really good it's like yeah we'll steal that that's fine Um, (laughs) i will say i anticipate a time probably within 10 years but certainly within 20 when i feel younger generations of satanists who are raised in an environment where they expect uh where 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 they feel more comfortable expressing themselves religiously are going to start to expect and maybe even demand more authentic and responsible representations of real mm-hmm. satanic religion in media and they're probably going to get really mad at people like me for defending movies like this which they are going to say you know perpetuate these horrible negative uh urban myths sure. and you know they're not wrong they do but yeah. um, there's 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 a I'm not sure I can articulate what the why 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 the charm persists despite that, but it does uh, because we don't take ourselves that seriously. Yeah. Because if we did, then well, <laughs> I mean, you're natural contrarians as well, right? Yeah, that makes sense. I will say there were moments in this where I was like, I wonder if this is offensive, and then I was like, oh, but they picked it, so it's fine. <laughs> they can be mad at me for the selection. <laughs> the, the things that are most likely to bother us about this movie are probably the things that most likely to bother a general audience which is that it does deal with themes about sexual violence and domestic abuse and it's frankly not necessarily as deft about those things as it should be yeah i present the kildo <laughs> yeah and one of the main characters name is a slur for the romani people i'm just like uh, yeah you should know oh, better by now yeah i forgot about yeah. that fuck yeah yeah <laughs> i was like is this still caution 2022 i don't think so no, no. <laughs> awesome okay so now that the spoiler lift has been lifted are there any themes or moments or sort of thoughts about the movie that you couldn't talk about that were more like you know plot beat specific well first i would like to kind of go back to something that daniel said uh right. or that was sort of discussed a little bit before is that it's this movie when we're talking about like accuracy and whether or not we're going to be sticklers about it as actual Satanists, the answer is like, no, because who is watching this movie and thinking it's any kind of accurate? Right. It's <laughs> so mean, over the top and ridiculous. I feel like it would be yeah. a stretch for anyone to think that it was based on realistic things. I mean, like, I think we have, you know, we have a slightly different perspective because we can pick out the things that are real. Yeah, which sure. are like mm-hmm. the, the little nuggets that maybe the general audience wouldn't get. Like, you know, at one point, uh, Rebecca Romaine calls Baphomet the, the Lord of the Templars. Not exactly mm. Lord of the Templars, but 
very strong association with the history of the Templars. So I'm like, oh, okay, oh, okay. that's true. But it doesn't matter. Like everything else is so ridiculous that no one's going to come to a satanic Bay Area meeting and start wondering why Baphomet does not have three phases. This is not one of the <laughs> principles of hell. So it doesn't bother me. Although I will kind of say, so like, I do feel like you should either go one way or the other with kind of faking Satanism. Like you should maybe have gone over the top even more or mm-hmm. tried to ground it a little bit better. Because I, thinking about Hereditary, you know, um, spoilers for that movie. Great movie. But, but the ending um, refers to this, you know, demon Paimon, Paimon, and that that's a real, not not real, not real, real, but that is a, a mythological character that's in a well-known, you know, book of demons. And okay. Ari Aster just said basically like, he just picked it sort of randomly because he can't use hmm. Satan every time. <laughs> He's the big guy. It's obvious. He's too busy. He can't be here for every single black mass. So let's go with a lesser demon, more quote unquote realistic. Um, and so I was actually kind of like, Oh, he picked like something from the key of Solomon. And that, that's kind of interesting. I wonder like why. And then the answer was just, Oh, I just picked it randomly. Then I was sort of disappointed because I'm like, oh, I thought you did research. It's fine. Um, (laughs) That's such an interesting perspective because I never would have known that. (laughs) Yeah. And so going back to the actual question of this section, um, talking about different plot points, mine's more of like kind of character beats where the way that they're trying to portray this pizza girl uh, was so... Again, what I said before, I could see what they're trying to do, but I don't think they did it very well. So she's so innocent, so sweet, so innocent, you know, makes faces at sex jokes and stuff. And she, you know, when she's stressed out, she thinks about fuzzy bunnies and she (laughs) sings a little song on her acoustic guitar about kangaroos and koala bears romping across (laughs) the audience. It reminds her of her old boyfriend whatever and it's like they could have made it even more cheesy and obvious uh and then there's a part where she's describing to um uh, ruby modine's character like her life and she had had cancer and her boyfriend had had cancer they met in like the the clinic or whatever and i was fully expecting uh, like ruby modine's character to go isn't that the plot of The Fault in Our Stars? <laughs> <laughs> that uh-huh. would have been a great joke. I know, that so, would have been an actual joke. <laughs> exactly. And so it's like they just didn't take things far enough. Yeah. And so it's it's not so silly that I can get stoned and still giggle at it. But it's not mm-hmm. it's not serious or scary in the least. Yeah, mm-hmm. some of that stuff's a little ham-fisted where they're trying to give her this backstory that somehow illuminates her character. But you're right, it's it, it's just too saccharine, but it's not over the top enough to be a joke either. Yeah, you just you just kind of got to commit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On mm-hmm. that note, on this idea of themes about, you know, our, our ideas about purity and innocence and talking about that scene where Jerry O'Connell accidentally kills himself. yeah. 
that is the start of a theme in this movie in which uh sam really directly if not kills then is responsible for the deaths of dozens of people the gruesome demises <laughs> of almost every other character in this movie you can lay directly at her feet but never explicitly it's always in these roundabout ways right it's right. like a yeah, it's like it's, she's like she's like the road runner in the wily e. coyote cartoon where she just <laughs> bumps people off by stepping out of the way of the anvil at the last second I'm totally right now that i'm mentally going through all the kills and i'm like yep 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 yeah you she are doesn't correct. actively kill anybody that's that's true i mean a bumbling woman with who has no real agency is kind of a grady hendrick stock character uh yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> even the aforementioned scene where rebecca romaine kills the idiot pervert is like he's there because he's yeah he's, he's, he's keeps sexually harassing sam and she loses her phone so even that she kind of has like an indirect third hand contribution to getting that guy killed too that's true yeah uh, note about that actor he that's aj bowen who the very first time i ever saw him was in house of the devil oh really okay yep oh. he's the guy he's like mustachioed in ah. that he's the one that comes and knocks on her window yeah oh gotcha mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. daniel just brought up the scene where uh jerry o'connell's character accidentally shoots himself and kills himself and then rebecca mm-hmm. romaine like sh- comes in and finds the body and she has to like reach in through his neck wound. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty put her, great. Put her whole arm down his neck and pulls out some <laughs> organ. It's never. I, yeah, I question mark. It. I don't know. <laughs> I think like, I had my gallbladder out. It doesn't look like that. So that's, that's crossed <laughs> off the list. But that was one of the only times in that movie where I actually was like kind of laughing to myself because that was the kind of over the topness that I was sort of Mm -hmm. looking for. This woman has her whole forearm in his neck, down Mm -hmm. his throat, pulling out an organ. And then when she does and she's done, she goes, she like looks at the dead body and she goes, thank you. The moment where she pulls the guy's intestines out through his mouth, that's a mm-hmm. great one too. I kind of wish there had been more stuff like that, you know? Yeah. Or yeah. even the soul souffle when she opens that platter and it's like moving around and she's feeding it blood. That was pretty cool too. It felt very 80s schlocky B movie. Oh yeah, yeah, that was like super dead alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. But the movie has a weird tone because when she does go into that neighbor's house and we get to see the drill dough thing, that is so over the top and so wacky that it feels you, like it's in a different movie. It feels like it's going to be yeah. in a different movie, and that the, I thought the movie was kind of going to change tone, but then it didn't. It's just sort of a weird standalone piece. It almost felt like they made this thing and then didn't want to you know kill their darling or something even though it didn't I really totally make sense agree. It's, it's not that you know sam goes over to the house and discovers the two sisters and then they try and like fool her and then they try and kill her that is a fit for the rest of the movie it's just that one of them just randomly walks out with this huge yeah. drill dildo and i'm like that's not that's who not are you <laughs> <laughs> that's not the part that needs to be over the top like, that has nothing yeah. to do with the rest of the movie. It's nothing to do with the plot, nothing mm-hmm. to do with the characters, nothing to do with Satanism, even. And so you're picking the wrong things to be over the top. Like, you could have had a super gory kill for the two sisters where Sam bumbles her way into accidentally murdering these two women. But a drill dildo? 
<laughs> it's yeah. just so extreme it, and it's so huge it's huge. i mean somebody made that prop yeah it feels like a little i feel like the prop it. came before the scene mm-hmm. like that somebody Absolutely. made that and they were like oh we have to figure out a way to put this in the <laughs> yeah. movie and yeah. then it's kind of glaringly obvious that that's what happened. I mean, it is kind of the prop equivalent of of the hula hoop in your house. You're like, I gotta get this out of the house. Somebody need it for a movie. My mother in law's coming. <laughs> Look, it really spins. <laughs> Have you been seeing a movie called Oh shit? I think it's Apostle. It stars Dan Stevens. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a great. Oh movie. god, the brain core. The brain core was really disturbing oh. to me. It really, oh, yeah. like, that was such a great visual, such a uh, creative way to, like, kill people, uh, especially mm-hmm. in, like, an executionary punishment sense. And it, it fit. It worked because it's a little bit over the top, but you can kind of see these, these sort of, you know, I forget what time period they're in, like, 1800s-ish. Mm-hmm. Something like uh, that. But uh, yeah, you're right. It's still kind of grounded. Yeah, constructing it. Like, I could see uh, the characters, like, you know, shaping the metal and doing the drills and bits and everything. And the the kills are super duper gory and disturbing. And meanwhile, it's like just the the drill (laughs) dough... Drildo Kildo? Drildo Kildo. <laughs> um, <laughs> Band name. <laughs> they could have gotten there. If we're comparing this unfavorably to other movies, compare, say, to, uh, speaking of Ari Aster, compare this to, like, the bear suit scene in Midsummer, yeah. which is yeah. also completely ridiculous and totally bizarre. But in that movie, it seems appropriate, if for no other reason than the fact that you've been spending this entire movie going, I don't know what's going to happen to these people, but I'm positive it's going to be weird and fucking terrible. And mm-hmm. so when the penny finally drops, you're like... Well, I don't know what I was expecting, but I can't very well complain about it. Here, though, it's just it's a it's a real one eighty kind of experience, yeah. and so yeah, it comes out of nowhere. This movie isn't trying to be midsummer, obviously, so maybe that <laughs> comparison is not appropriate. But the comparison there is like y- you've got to earn these things, or at the very least, you've yeah. got to kind of yeah. tip the audience off. Otherwise, yeah. you're just going to end up confusing people. Because the fact that all <laughs> of us had this reaction to this one yeah. relatively brief scene. <laughs> tells us maybe something is wrong that is a really good segue as far as like i'd like to talk about the ending of this movie yeah Yeah, going back to we were just talking about with midsmar is that that movie leads up to this extremely Mm -hmm. bizarre culmination that you are just sitting there like kind of unfortunately having well not unfortunately but like having to drink it in like having to experience it and be like why what is happening right now (laughs) whereas i feel like kind of the very opposite thing happened with this movie where i was actually really kind of disappointed in the ending because we're all leading up to this big culmination and yes actually i think the the baphomet like you know the walking around character is just kind of interesting looking yeah and then poof everybody's gone yeah and she's just sitting there in her clothes and then everybody comes back you know but then they die and they all just lay down yeah (laughs) everybody goes has a little nap and then the movie's over and i feel like that that would have been a really cool and like i i realized like you know looking at other stuff in the movie that this thing was filmed with over 18 days and i'm sure they didn't have the budget to do this really crazy over the top finale but i would have really enjoyed just some like sort of just totally knockout crazy ending especially mm-hmm. since we had all this blood and gore and the rest of the movie like yeah. i wanted to see that come to an extreme head at the end yeah and just have something wild happen but really it was yeah. just kind of like 
there was sleeping and then Sam left. <laughs> yeah, it really felt and like they were it... building to some kind of crescendo, right? And then it just yeah. kind of peters out. It's a know? satanic ritual. And like yeah. that's one of my favorite things about watching satanic movies, uh-huh. even if they're totally ridiculous, is actually experiencing the ritual and what the, the director or whomever is uh, you know, the set designer and stuff thinks a satanic ritual is like. I think that's really fun. And at this one it was like, okay, we have these really cool set pieces. And then people fuck and they lay down. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like they didn't know what to do with it. They didn't actually know how to end the movie, you know? Yeah. And I really think I, I feel like if we hadn't, for me, if I had a really nice, well-rounded ending, I think mm-hmm. I would probably think of it a little more favorably, especially if it was just totally like literally insane. Yeah. Cause that's what I expected to have happen with this like silly movie. Yeah. Have you guys seen ready or not? I was just about to bring that up. <laughs> that wait, go for it then, Daniel. That movie's ending is the ending that we should have gotten here. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. That, that, that nails it. That's another ending that I feel like people, that's another movie that people kind of slept on, I think, even though like it, it made some money and people saw it. But um, that movie, I think it's technically a spoiler to say that it's a Satanism themed movie because they do mm-hmm. kind of try to keep that under wraps a little bit. But like the very first thing you see in that movie is a picture of the devil. It's like yeah. opening credits fade yeah. from black there is the yeah. devil so if you don't put two and two together by the end yeah i can't is this help the you first movie you've ever seen <laughs> <laughs> and it's such a better payoff for these sort of rich assholes that are trying to control the world it's so satisfying yeah i forgot how like i had to look it up i'm like what was it and i was like oh yeah, oh, that, was yeah. Movie. <laughs> yeah. that was so much fun yeah so i'm going to talk about something positive because there is one scene that i really liked in this movie okay i you know it, it maybe is another one that's sort of out of place but i really love it is the whole skin binding scene with the with the voodoo doll where all the the needles are coming out of yeah. her eyes and her fingers and they have to write all over her i love all of that kind of witchy imagery it reminds me of i know we're just like what movie does this remind you of but it reminds me of um oh my god my blank brain went blank but any i'll come back to it but i'll i it reminded me of shit it's in my brain but i i love those visuals did you guys enjoy that scene while i google this yeah, so I really like the imagery part of it of her writing on her mm-hmm. body of the those needles like coming out of her cheekbones and stuff. I thought that was really cool. I didn't like as much as we said before sort of the conversation between the two women where she was telling her the story. That was a little mm-hmm. too cheesy for me. But no. I do think the imagery of the yes. needles was very very cool. Yeah, that at Warlock is the movie I'm trying to think of. Oh. Where there's like the, when oh, they're like uh-huh. nailing the, yeah. his oh, footprints. Right. Yeah. That's what it reminded me of. And I, I I responded very positively to that scene. Like I wasn't really paying attention to the stupid or the, the story. Sorry. I'm so harsh <laughs> today. The story, but I was just like very into the witchy sort of mythology that the movie was building and the way that it was executed, I thought was really, really cool because there apparently was no VHX. They didn't use any CGI at all. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, there's like almost none because the Fandango would not give them a budget for it because they only wanted practical effects. Well, I think it looks really cool. uh, It definitely paid off. I have to agree. I I like that scene as well because there's there's two things that can get to me in a horror movie. People vomiting. Uh, So uh the vomiting (laughs) in Satanic Panic, I thought like they got the sound effects down with the splashing and everything. Very effective. There's two (laughs) movies I've nearly thrown up in them. And one was Audition for that reason. Oh, my God. Yes. (laughs) 
<laughs> and then the other thing that bothers me, like gets under my skin is, and this is like a real life weird tick. It's not that weird. But also if, if it's done in a horror movie, it really, really gets to me is having like hair in your mouth or in your oh, throat. Uh -huh. Yeah. And so mm -hmm. there's like a, a sequence in the movie, The Ring, where I think she's dreaming about pulling hair out of her yep. mouth and throat, yep. which really, oh, really got to me. Yeah. And then that's kind yeah. of echoed here because, you know, the daughter character, Ruby Modine, um, mm -hmm. is, you know, she's got the pins coming out of her uh, mm -hmm. fingertips and her hair or face and, you know, blood coming out of her eyes. And she's got all this writing on her that looks really cool. But it's like when she starts to gag and pulls the hair out of her mouth, I'm yeah. like, that actually is getting me. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I will say a couple of positive things about the movie if we're if okay. we're if we're opening the door Let's for that. Let's do it. Yeah. Oh wait, really quickly. The only problem I have with that scene is that um I think voodoo is very appropriative. Mm. Yeah. And that's the only thing like it's obvious that they don't care that right. it is appropriative. Yeah, that's true. And that's yeah. like that's something that just kind of makes me a little squirmy, but mm -hmm. yeah, no that's a good anyway. thing to bring up definitely. Well, you know what's yeah. interesting? There actually is not a significant or pronounced voodoo tradition of image magic, I'm told. That's actually something that we take mostly out of European and especially British Isles witchcraft belief and myth. Mm. And so it actually would be appropriate to use it in a movie like this, but I'm not convinced the filmmakers know that. There, that's, there you go. That's <laughs> yeah. the thing. <laughs> I mean, that's what I said. I don't know that this movie, I, this movie has a both sidesism that I don't necessarily connect with in films typically it can't figure out who its target is they're the one percent but they're also the ones who, but they're also kind of presented as being left-leaning um except for that they're also you know sacrificing virgins and whatnot and I, I don't know it feels very messy to me in a way that i i don't trust and There's... maybe because i know the legacy of Cinestate, i don't know yeah i think one of the things is that we can sort of pick up on whether stuff was done intentionally or not. Mm -hmm. So when they talk about, you know, Baphomet and they're just talking like throwing out there that they're going to summon Baphomet. He has 11 or he's Prince of hell. He's got three heads. That's clearly like, you know, that they're making that shit up. Um, but when they have something that's kind of close it's just that they stumbled upon it. It's not that they actually did research and mm -hmm. it's the thing of like, if you, if you want to break the rules, you need to know them at first, like that rule sure. of yeah, writing, yeah. like you have to get, you have to know good grammar and sentence structure and whatever, and then you can break it for effect. I don't think that they were breaking things for effect. I think they were breaking things because they had 18 days and a low budget and maybe didn't do any kind of research ahead of time. Mm -hmm. And that, that can those circumstances can turn out okay. Like yeah. I, I always think about like um, El Mariachi, crazy mm -hmm. low budget, you know, shot without like with people who weren't real actors. And it turned out great because Robert Re Rodriguez actually did know what he was doing. He just was severely limited. Mm -hmm. Here they were severely limited, but I feel like again they just when they got it right, they it's because they were just stumbling across it. It's not because they. We're, we're leading us to that yeah mm -hmm. 
Well, I think that's true. You know what? On on that note, I will save us from any well actually comments because oh. <laughs> I'll add an addendum to what I said earlier. Where does Daniel get his water? A well, actually. Yes. <laughs> but well, I'm the one who said it earlier. I'm like eleven princes of hell. That's not any demonology I've ever heard of. But you know what? <laughs> that doesn't mean there's not a source for it. There's any these days yeah. you can go on. Speaking of putting anything on Amazon, you can find any number of self published books from dudes who call themselves like Reverend Alistair Knight shade that'll tell you all sorts of nonsense and like maybe maybe the book is even good i don't know i haven't read it so maybe there's one of those that they can point to and say no no this was our source douchebag i'm like okay fine all i can say is it's not a well-known uh not anything that i can place yeah speaking of addendums listeners who are less familiar with our show might have done like a like a, like a 180 earlier when I mentioned, oh, hey, the standard Bible plagiarized this weird racist tract from 1896. And a lot of people are uh-huh. going like, so why are you guys Satanist then? Well, that's <laughs> something we should probably mention is the fact yes. that on our show, we are actually very, very critical of that book and its author, often to a degree that even annoys some people who actually agree with us. But nevertheless, <laughs> while we do strive to present a diversity of eclectic opinions and perspectives on Black Mass Appeal, if we have one agenda, me in particular, I will admit, it is breaking the normalization of that sort of weird, far-right, authoritarian mm-hmm. vibe that modern Satanism has had since the 60s, thanks mainly to this one guy. And right. so... I um so we call him Stinky Tony <laughs> because he um he actually has some writing about how he doesn't bathe because you Ew. know his natural okay. musk is uh very alluring oh. <laughs> and it reminded me of a guy that I used to go out to the goth clubs he would be at the goth clubs I would not go out with him but uh, you could you always knew when he was there because uh, you could smell him and um so his name stinky tony is an homage to that now wait a minute wait a minute now i've got to provide now we got to get deeper into the weeds because i provide some context for that because i've read some comments of people who say hey you know making fun of people who have trouble bathing is very ableist which is true but uh old anton did not have did not refuse to shower because he had any kind of disability he did it because and i'm not making this up he was making this up, but I'm not making this up. He said that if you shower too often, it covers the natural smells of your body, which makes you artificially attractive to the wrong kinds of people what? and leads to you having the wrong babies. And this is why our gene uh, pool is messed up. Ooh, it, that so, is a very yeah. weird take on eugenics. Yes, <laughs> it's, bizarre. it's eugenics by way of B.O. Yeah, uh, I just thought he never heard something crimes like against facial hair. I didn't realize how <laughs> deep in the fashions Yes, this is the kind of Satanism we don't represent on Black Mass Appeal. Yeah, no, yeah. I'm glad you pointed that out. And <laughs> on that note, one thing I did like about the ending of this movie is I liked the little girl who plays the demon prince. That's actually uh-huh. a cliche to have a kid be the demon, but you know, the mm-hmm. kid was good. I liked her a lot. Yeah, it was and fun accidentally i would assume but the message she portrays at the end where she says the problem with this authoritarian might is right philosophy is there's always going to be someone stronger and better and more powerful than you you can only exploit the weak for so long before someone comes along and tops you and so quite accidentally i think the movie has done a great job of refuting that particular outlook and that particular Hmm. weird dead-end brand of satanic philosophy that is still kind of haunting our discourse 
I will also say, I thought it was extremely funny the scene earlier in the movie where they're getting ready for the ritual and Rebecca Romaine is like firing everyone up with like this MLM style speech about how everyone <laughs> needs to commit harder. Yeah. I wanted more of that, I really, because they because it was kind of in the beginning too. I needed more. Yeah, of that. that was so yeah. great. And in fact, like again, they should have pushed that joke harder. She should have had like yeah. a chart on the wall with again the all-seeing eye with the pentagram saying we're the original pyramid scheme or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> See, th- you guys need to write this movie. I know. Is what I'm hearing. <laughs> I need a r- 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 remix by you guys because you've already dropped like five really solid jokes. Yeah, there are some good lines in this movie, like you were saying. There, I think Rebecca Romain says when they're wanting to go out and like look for the girls, she's like, we didn't sell our souls to traipse around outside like a bunch of goddamn hippies. Like there's, yeah. some, <laughs> there's some funny lines. Or even um, Jerry O'Connell when she slaps him and then he slaps her and he's like, look what you made me do. I'm a feminist. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I do think that there are things about this movie. I know we've been pretty harsh in our critiques, but there is an element of fun to this that is kind of undeniable. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah I agree. I, and I just, I really love Ruby Modine. It makes me sad that she had such a poor, yeah. horrible experience on this film because mm-hmm. she is so watchable. She's so charming and fun. And her and Rebecca Romaine both, I thought, just were fantastic in this. And they were kind of, for me, the most enjoyable part to watch. But yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, this is sort of an escapist, fun, silly movie that takes your minds off thing, doesn't require a lot of you. I know yeah. that you guys have gone kind of deep in your analysis about Satanism, and I so appreciate that. Absolutely. I, it's been fascinating to learn all of that, just listening to you guys. But I also think you can watch this as like a stupid popcorn flick that you don't think about at all. You know, it's that mm-hmm. kind of a thing. And I yeah. do like the sort of campy send up of the rich the sort of ultra rich and i know that they didn't maybe follow through 100 percent, but i do think some of that's good and you know it looks good like the movie looks good and i think it was competently made i honestly think a lot of the problems lie less with the direction and more with mm-hmm. the script agree yeah, yeah I, agree. I think this I think this movie really wants to have a class conflict theme and it just doesn't seem yeah. to know how. Yep, right. seems, yep. it, it seems like yep. our collective opinion about this is, yeah, it's not bad, but it's a lot of missed opportunities. I think that's a good summary of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think that this would have been the perfect movie to have at a slumber party in the eighth grade. Yeah, like, that's yeah. true. Right it would have been. A, a, some sex so, uh-huh. you know, your your little preteen <laughs> hormones can get kind of tingly and looking at Jerry O'Connell and his many <laughs> whiteies. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like, I used to have a huge crush on him, so yeah. I was still appreciative of that scene. Um, <laughs> man, was a, what was that? That's that scene? Slider? No, oh, wasn't he in the, 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 the show about the seascape? Or what was it? Sequest. Sequest. No, he was in Sliders. Okay. Yeah, I, yeah, I guess there was a kid in Sequest. Jonathan Brandis looked a lot like him. He had the same, you know, that stupid '90s hair bowl cut. You mean split top loaf? Yeah, I remember that haircut. <laughs> Sequest, Sequest was, yeah, it was Jonathan Brandis, and sadly, he is no longer with us. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I had such a crush on one. him when I was little. Yeah. Yeah, he was an it. I was very big fan of him as well. Even in that that scene of Jerry O'Connell in his briefs, even like even there, there's like great there's, there's some good comic timing that kind of goes unappreciated to the fact that like the camera's on him and then it's off of him and then a second later he's got his clothes off. <laughs> yeah, which yeah. like it's easy to overlook because you're suddenly very uncomfortable where this scene is going. Yeah. But it is funny, at least as a visual gag. Absolutely. <laughs> 
So I know this has been the night of comparing the movie to other movies, but have you guys seen Extraordinary? I love that movie. (laughs) I love that movie, but I also, it has the same plot beat, right? Of the whole virgin thing and uh, there being a resolution to dealing with that problem, but done in a way that is a lot more fun and a lot less problematic. Yep. So when I was watching this, I was kind of like, I should rewatch extraordinary that, yeah that's <laughs> one that people are sleeping on for sure yeah for sure yeah have either of you other two seen extraordinary are you a part of this fan club or are uh we alone in this no but uh i remember the poster for it because it has a sheet ghost which it does, it does. It does. Sheet I, just ghost. I still love it i mean well, all the way back to, to beetlejuice with uh alec baldwin mm-hmm. and gina davis putting the sheets on like it's never not funny <laughs> <Yeah>. to me <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, amazing. All right. Any other thoughts on this movie before we wrap it up? I feel I feel a little bad for shitting on it so much because it was it is fun. And I feel mm-hmm. like a lot of what I've had to say has been kind of negative, but like I had a good time. And I, I don't wanna you know, I don't wanna shit on it that much because yeah. it's not it's not like it's a bad movie. It's just wasn't what I wanted out of it. Right. Yeah. And yeah, sometimes it, fun and dumb is what you want, you know? Yeah, you you go in with low expectations. You go in with some friends and some booze, perhaps, if that's your thing. <laughs> Certainly a lot of candy and mm. and just have like that that mentality of like a schlocky, good popcorny candy, little bit tipsy time and <laughs> just enjoy yourself that way. This is not a movie yeah, where you need to like turn down the lights and set a mood and, you know, no talking. No do talk rock more <laughs> this shit it'll be much more entertaining yeah yeah the the degree and depth of analysis that we've offered to the, in in the last the course two hours is maybe inappropriate to the actual <laughs> content and vibe of the film but you know what at the same time like it did leave those doors open for us so yeah and it was yeah. an interesting conversation absolutely i loved the analysis that you guys brought to it because we were kind of like it was fun Let's hope they have more to say. <laughs> well, I thought of another movie I think people are sleeping on. Ooh. Have you guys seen Starry Eyes? Yes. That I movie is awesome. That movie is freaking awesome. And that was one oh, of those Aaron. ones that I caught on Netflix. And I was like, oh, this is going to be some stupid schlock. And then I was like fully engrossed. Mm-hmm. Love it. It's excellent. That movie excellent. has a great perspective on like, class conflict and the 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 weird self-destructive american ambition uh shit that they indoctrinate us with if you want uh, yeah yeah yeah. if you want a really great take on that that's tabitha's completely great yeah Yeah, that bathroom stall scene lives rent free in my head Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) awesome okay so final recommendations tabitha would you recommend um with a with caveat okay okay (laughs) with with the idea that you're going into this knowing well maybe not knowing all the things we talked about because why even bother seeing a movie when you have uh, (laughs) literally experienced the entire plot um but you know if you're looking for that popcorn fun Mm -hmm. silly thing yes if you want to go into this because you want to get scared no (laughs) right right that's fair how about you simone so I think a lot of our, our talk about like this movie was actually kind of fun. That's where those are sort of our tips to you to make watching this movie more fun and enjoyable. But mm-hmm. if would I recommend it, the answer is actually no, because there's so mm. much more better out there. 
That's fair. You're not going to, like, you know, rend your garments in regret over watching this movie. But eh, just maybe your time better spent someplace else. How about you, Daniel? Well, I'm mildly reluctant to answer that question because now that we've learned... <laughs> A little bit more about the people who made this. Maybe that should give me some pause before recommending mm. it to anybody oh, else. Yeah, However, yeah. just at the merits of the movie itself. Yeah, sure. Definitely. Because while there is certainly a lot to be critical of here, this is going to sound like a backhanded compliment, but it's really not. I have seen so many worse movies than this, and it is so easy to fuck up a movie like this beyond any level of potential redemption that looking at this now, I'm just like, yeah, no, I feel like, uh, and I suppose it's correct, there are certainly better movies you could be watching, but if you're the kind of person that this movie really is calling out to, there are actually relatively few films like it that I feel are going to scratch That's that true. particular itch for you. So uh, yeah. I, I would say stick to your own gut on this one. Your own uh, instincts about whether you like this movie or you're going to like a film like this are probably correct. Although, of course, you know, it's 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 entirely subjective at the end of the day. Yeah. How about you, Ariel? Yeah, I would recommend it. I say, you know, it's not treading any new ground, but it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think for my friends who are a little more arty, art housey, I maybe wouldn't recommend. But for like, uh, if somebody's like, I got, I want to watch something. What should I watch tonight? What's on Shutter? I'd be like, hmm, Satanic Panic's fun. That's a good time. Yeah, There's some good gore in there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Awesome. All right. Great. So uh, we don't have any listener mail this episode, but if you want to get in touch, maybe you have some thoughts about this movie. Maybe you have some thoughts about many of the other movies that we talked about tonight. Whatever the case may be, drop your thoughts and your questions in the email at rachel at zombiegirls.com. That's G-R-R-L-Z.com. Or you can come chat with us over on the Zombie Girls Facebook group or follow us on Instagram and Twitter at ZGPodcast plural if you're enjoying the show leave us a review on apple Podcasts wherever you're getting your reviews and if you want to support us please join the patreon at patreon.com forward slash zombie girls where you get lots of cool perks you can join our discord and you get extended episodes on all the shows across the network so before we go into our final plugs ariel did you pick a movie for our next episode <laughs> did I you did. forget to pick oh, okay. No. <laughs> okay i'm just laughing because i think i might have picked the longest one you told oh, me not God. to. I said, give me a short movie. <laughs> I specifically sent you that picture from the SNL skin. <laughs> so, to be fair, I picked a movie before you sent that, and I just. <laughs> We're going to be watching The Long Walk, directed by Maddie Doe. <laughs> oh. Is that the new, it just came out recently? Or? It did. Yeah. yeah. yeah it just recently yeah. came out. It's about, let's see. It's about an old Loatian hermit who discovers that the ghost of a road accident victim can transport him back in time 50 years to the moment of his mother's painful death. So it's getting really good reviews, but it's... <laughs> Can we watch Satanic Panda? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I can pick something else. I just think this one's no, going to be no, really no. good. No, no, no. You've you've chosen. It's too late now. <laughs> No, I th I've heard really good things about this, and I do want to watch it, but it is going to have to be a homework movie, so it's fine. <laughs> Only because it's long and going to be sad. And well, see, that's life, the thing is, is neither sad. of us would probably watch it without it being on the show because of those reasons, and I think mm -hmm. we need to watch it. So you're right, you're right. All right, I didn't well, make you watch Nightingale. Okay, so yeah, I feel like yes. you get some points yes. for that. <laughs> 
I know. I kept being like, well, there's like five other movies I can suggest because I was worried you were going to sort of Nightingale, which I'm sure is going to be excellent. But I just like don't have it's so emotionally expensive and my I am bankrupt that at the moment. Fair. So, all right. But enough of this. Let's get back to our amazing guest. I want to first of all thank Daniel, Tabitha, and Simone for coming on the show. I knew that it was going to be fun. I knew that you guys were going to bring all kinds of fabulous insight and not only did you not let me down you exceeded my expectations i enjoyed the notes i enjoyed the <laughs> recommendations i enjoyed learning about certain tattoos this has been an absolute blast. yeah this was fabulous yeah well thank you and for you are having welcome us to come on. back anytime okay we'll, we'll, we'll anytime. take you up on that Oh, good. I hope so. I'm glad we didn't scare you off with my brain dead self today. All right. <laughs> but before you go, why don't you guys lay some more plugs on us so that now that our listeners know you and are as obsessed with you as we are, where can they find you guys? Okay. So you can find the podcast Black Mass Appeal on pretty much every podcasting platform that there is. Uh, or you could just go to our website and listen directly there or visit the show notes or our other resources. And that's blackmassappeal.com. And uh, if you want to email us, it's blackmassappealpod at gmail.com. Mm. The pod is important. We don't know who has blackmassappeal at gmail.com. <laughs> they have not reached out to us. I'm sure they've gotten some really weird emails. And, we <laughs> <apologize>. <laughs> and then you can find us on social media. We've got, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter as at Black Mass Appeal. Nice. Also, nice. so yeah, one more thing. So again, we do new BMAs every other Tuesday. And also you can back us over on Patreon where sometimes we mm -hmm. do bonus shows. We've got the BMABCs. We've got Conspiracy Weary. And we also have very occasionally our specifically Sam Neill themed BMA uh, bonus show ooh. about the films of Sam Neill, because one of the three of us really digs uh, Sam Neill. And uh, <laughs> Tabitha, Tabitha, do you want to tell people what the name of that show is? It is uh, Neil Before Pod. <laughs> Amazing. I love it. I love it. Okay, peak sexy Sam Neill for you. Um, well, my favorite movie's Event Horizon. I like him when nice. his eyes are all cut up and he's covered in blood and stuff. <laughs> hey, at least it wasn't Possession. Well, <laughs> so, so, my Possession is the reason why we started Neil Before Pod, because oh. I, made, I made Daniel and Tabitha watch it. We actually found out that I watched the European version and they watched the U.S. version. It was completely Which fucking sucks. different. Which are not really? those are not the same movies. I wonder if not. I saw the bad version because I'm always like, why is everybody so like in love with this movie? It's fine. If you can find the original director's cut, like the European version, uh, it is still a really fucking weird movie. But I liked it. Um, the the U.S. version apparently is incomprehensible. So like, just don't it even bother with that one. Incomprehensible. Yeah, but, that's but, the one I saw, I think. Yeah, and so uh, I was talking about this to Daniel and Tab, and I think it was, was it Daniel or was it Tabitha who was just like, made an offhand joke that we should have a Sam Neill podcast and call it Neil Before Pod. And I'm like, I'm going to take you up on that because we're talking <laughs> about possession. Here's what it was. I said, hey, if we had a Sam Neill podcast, what would it be called? Almost <laughs> immediately... Tabitha came up with the title, and they were like, fuck, now we have to do it. <laughs> it was too good a name to leave. 
it is it is really good you gotta you gotta tm that as fast as you can right. that's a really good one amazing although i think sam neill in that movie he's kind of proto sam neill like he almost doesn't even he's so young that he doesn't mm-hmm. even look like himself yeah he is yeah. the fetus of sam neill in that one mm-hmm. for sure for sure that's I, I love the i love event horizon so good call on that one i'm such a big fan like that i love horror movies that like kind of bend uh like the genre like oh mm-hmm. it should be an alien movie but it's not it's a fucking haunted house movie on a mm-hmm. fucking spaceship mm-hmm. so good <laughs> <laughs> awesome uh any other plugs do you have i know you guys got a lot going on you can follow me on Twitter at Tabitha Slander if you want to see pictures of my cat. <laughs> I do want to see pictures of your cat. <laughs> and you can follow me at Simone Lasher on Twitter and Instagram if you also want to see pictures of my cat. There's a lot of cats. <laughs> also Y'all. want to see pictures of your <laughs> we cat. We always want to see pictures of everybody's cats. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We have, a, we have a channel in the Discord called Show Me Your Kitties because all I want is a feed of cats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, our, ours is um, familiars. Oh, <laughs> brilliant! You oh, know what's up. Yeah. <laughs> what about Dan- you, Daniel? Can anyone stalk you online? I don't have a cat, so. <laughs> well, you kind of do. You got my cat. <laughs> That's true. My primary Twitter account is actually just our at Satanic SF account, which I'm not. I I I always want to make a firmer delineation between that and my personal Twitter, but then I often just forget mm-hmm. which one I'm logged in on. So <laughs> sometimes, sometimes all of our Satanist followers just get my take on shit and uh, <laughs> you know, so I bet they love it. Uh, well, you know, complaints are few and far between, so. Oh, good. Hmm. Not a feedback forward group, the Satanists. Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> <laughs> awesome all right well thank you again for coming on the show you really elevated it anytime you want to come back you are more than welcome all right great well on that note everybody check out black mass appeal ariel would you do me a solid and take us out yeah thanks so much for listening to another episode of the more deadly podcast thank you so much to our guests from black mass appeal this has been so much fun and we so appreciate all of your input this was really great and for those of you who are patrons Today, we are going to be talking about our favorite satanic films in our extended episodes. So if you're a patron, stick around for that. Otherwise, we'll catch you back here in two weeks. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. I love it. Thanks to everyone for listening. And thanks to my co-host, Ariel, who is always willing to come on here and geek out about horror with me. And finally, thanks to the women who make the horror films we love so much. Production on this episode was done by yours truly. Editing was done by Ariel Messman Rucker. And our theme music is More Deadly by Elizabeth Kyle and Eric Newell. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the extended episode, a.k.a. More Deadly After Dark, a.k.a. The Devil. oh ariel i just had so much fun what about you that was great honestly i'm always nervous when we have guests come on the show especially Uh because you already knew them and i did not Uh i've just been listening to their podcast for a while right i was a little nervous but they were really really nice and yeah it was Mm -hmm. so much fun getting their perspective on this movie because they brought up stuff that did not even occur to me so yeah i I appreciated that we got like primary source information yeah. <laughs> like 
I know. <laughs> Quoting from books? Come on. I mean, and that's what their podcast is like. I'm just like, how? Yeah, it's I mean, so research heavy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm impressed by it. And also just like, I could never. I could never. No. <laughs> <laughs> just the amount of research we do is a lot, you know? <laughs> I feel like, oh, my God. Wow. I really, really put in a ton of effort on this one. <laughs> I read four whole interviews on a Wikipedia page. <laughs> And here he is, like, looking back at the demonium from 1893. I'm like, no, no. But I totally, like, I'm impressed by it and I value it and I think it really added to the show. Yeah, yeah. Especially because it's such a silly movie, but I love that they were able to kind of do all this intellectual stuff with just the little bit of meat that was on the bones there. There are so many movies I would love to talk to them about, too, but... Unfortunately, we have some rules. We do. And for good reason, but I feel like they recommended something though with a non-binary actor. Yeah, the Santa Satan Santa. Maybe we'll have them on for the Christmas episode. I think we should totally do that. That would be awesome. Okay. They're available. We should book them. Yeah, we will hit them up. All right, cool. So we're gonna talk about one of their favorite subjects on our extended episode, Ariel. What 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 is that? <laughs> We're talking about satanic movies. Oh, yeah. And some of our favorite ones. Now, funny enough, while we were playing that little, this movie reminds us of that movie game, <laughs> we know. referenced pretty much all these movies. Did so, we? Oh, not no. Not all of them, but a lot of them. A lot of them. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm looking at the list now. <laughs> yeah. There are a few that we didn't, you know. Yeah. But... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we can touch on those a little more briefly. Yeah. So before we get into. <laughs> Right. Before we get into the list, I just want to say there are some bigger movies that we left off this list because they're yeah. ones that we've talked to death about. Yeah. Um, so Does anybody need someone to recommend The Exorcist to them? No. Right. They'd, exactly. You've it, already you know, been knowing. No, we didn't. The Omen isn't on here. Rosemary's Baby, etc. Stuff like that we left off. So yeah. anyways, should we get started? Yeah, let's get started. Okay. So the first one is one that they mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> it's the babysitter <laughs> yes you want to talk about a movie that is just fun oh my gosh dumb. It's so fun and so dumb and it has the splashiest bloodiest gore happening yes. in it. all the characters are funny and just like so much fun to watch on screen it's got a great cast it's it's just a blast and i know that people are not as big a fan of the second one and granted it is not as good but it's still a lot of fun. Okay. Okay. No. No? <laughs> I mean, movies are subjective. If you like it, I love it. That's fine. I just fun. think, like, it has a lot of the dumb, like, yeah. gory moments that are in the, that made the first one so fun. It's just the plot yeah. isn't quite as, like, together. I'm just grumpy <laughs> about how they retcon a particular character. I mean, yeah. that is fair. Yeah. I Completely mean. Completely fair. Like, to be fair, I didn't go into it being like, this is going to be, you know, the Citizen Kane of babysitter (laughs) movies. But, you know, that's really my only real gripe with it. I do love Jenna Ortega a lot. So and that was one of the earliest things I Mm -hmm. saw her in. So that that part of it's really great. Um, Just like how much horror she's doing. Yeah. I mean, did or I don't know if you've listened to this week's Bloody Good Horror yet. Um, I don't know if you were able to catch it live. No, I wasn't. <laughs> Sorry if you weren't able to catch it live. I mean, I have the ability to catch it live. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um... <laughs> I'm in the top secret club too, okay, Rachel? <laughs> okay, okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> Mistakes were made. I take it back. You're in the cabal. 